Hello, and welcome to Keyframes, a podcast about anime. I'm your host, Ben Halliburton, and with me today is Andy. Yo, yo. Duncan. Hey there. And Jeff. Yellow. Since John can't make it for our end of the season wrap up, this season being summer? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I never know. I, can, I literally never know. No, uh, is it fall? Summer... No. No, because now's fall. It's when it starts, not when it ends. Okay, sure. How Come. the fuck do we have an anime podcast? <laughs> uh, uh, we're doing the summer 2020 anime wrap-up. Um, 2020's been a rough year, but there's been some okay anime. However, we haven't watched any of them. Okay. <laughs> some of us have watched some of them, notionally. But uh, Jeff and I, uh, on your exhortations, Andy, watched Rent a Girlfriend. You're welcome. Or uh, or Kanojo Okurishimasu, right? Or something? Yeah, you you, Uh, you nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) I've just just internalized internalized every part of this anime. Uh, Uh, This is a piece of shit, Andy. What's wrong with you? (laughs) Kanojo Okurishimasu. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I liked it. (laughs) <laughs> I, I mean, I agree. It was um, self-indulgent trash, and it was hard to enjoy anyone. Um, but I enjoyed every single episode. Just, just an exercise of pure of pure tropiness. That is the only way you can enjoy it. Because all of the people, even the grandmas, all of the people in in uh, Rent a Girlfriend are just terrible, and I don't wish them well. Uh, I I, I think that's harsh. I think that's harsh. Yeah, I, I mean, think... the main guy's a piece of shit. Like, I think we... Who, who's a good person in this anime? I quite like um, uh, Ruka. I think she's quite a good girl. But... Oh, you mean the one who like crashes his family's New Year's event? What, the one who's then... the one who's been going out with Kazuya for like six going months. Out. We never see we never see them going. I know out, that's so... because he hates her, and that's what that's the problem is because we see it from Kazuya's point of view, and Kazuya's a piece of shit. It's one of those he hates shows. Her. It's one of those he shows. hates her, but he also complains constantly that he's lonely and that no one loves him. Yeah. But then whenever she shows up, he's like, "Ooh, but not not her." You gross. Yeah. Okay. No. He's let's a, let's approach this systematically. He's a piece okay. of shit. <laughs> so if you so if you didn't hear the last podcast where we talked about Rent a Girlfriend, Rent a Girlfriend is about a guy who's dumped by a girl and he hires an escort um, who he promptly falls super in love with and then uh-huh. introduces to his grandmother and then finds out that his grandmother is friends with her grandmother so they have to pretend to be dating and then other girls just show up and also want to date him for some reason even though he's an incredible creep who uh just one episode as an example my favorite one to cite uh after finding out that she can't go on a christmas eve date with him christmas eve being kind of like valentine's day in japan yeah. he stalks her yeah. for eight hours because he's she's with another guy <laughs> Who he concocts this delusional narrative in his head that that this guy is like a jerk who's like abusing her and possibly prostituting her. And so he confronts them in public and she's like, no, he's my friend from acting class. And also I didn't tell you I'm in an acting class. And so he cries in public and then she gives him a present uh, to tell him it's okay. He didn't definitely horribly cross her boundaries by stalking her for an entire day. While she was on a, what he thought was a date with someone else. I hate this show. I hate everybody <laughs> in it. Actually, it's not true. Sumi's, Sumi's okay. The shy one who's like I, being who's being like a rent-a-girlfriend to like become more like socially adept and outgoing. She's great. Why can't we have an episode about her? Well, there was an, an episode ep- about her. There, there, was an episode, episode. there was an episode about her. I didn't, I didn't much rate her, but I think she's 
kind of unnecessary. Yeah. She's I. <laughs> Well, it's a harem where, where all of the girls have no reason to be attracted to Kazuya, which is a very weird dynamic. Hmm. Sorry, I'll yeah, stop talking over yeah. people. I hate this show. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of like this show as a like an, an attempt to grapple with like, because there's like the whole concept of like your inside face and your outside face uh, and how that is like complicated by like, like, a, like, like a transactional like financial relationship because like mm-hmm. like the whole show it's like abundantly painfully obvious that like the main two Kazuya and Chizuru is that her name? Chizuru. They obviously does say Chizuru. Like yeah. like she obviously likes him, he obviously likes her, but they have this like and they concoct you know they're constantly concocting all of these schemes where like oh this is why we have to keep doing this. And you know and but like neither one of them like is able to honestly address like any of this because like oh she has this like you know financial situation and you know and i think the the biggest part she of the... doesn't she doesn't have a financial situation she's doing pretty fucking well off of Cassia. <laughs> just pay for yeah, yeah, the date she... is like a hundred dollars it's expensive <laughs> it's so expensive he has to get a job like that's how expensive yeah. his fucking stupid yeah. hobby is but like i mean what I, <laughs> but by what i mean that uh, what I mean by that is that, like, in the show, like, we at least get, like, tiny, tiny, like, 10 seconds of insight into each of the girls, except for Chizuru. We have no, like, idea why she's doing this, you know, why, you know, she's the most What's easily... damage? Yeah, like, what, or, yeah. like she's, like, the, the most easily Googleable, like, top escort in Tokyo, but also her entire life would be over if anybody in her life ever found out about it. Her, like, you know, nominally worst enemy, Mommy, finds her in, like, five seconds of looking for her. But also, she's like, oh, I'm, I'm probably going to give it up because I'm going to be doing acting. And, like, so it's like, you know, why don't you just quit now if it's such a danger to you? And, like, if we had gotten any insight whatsoever into what her deal is, I think the show would have been a lot more interesting because they just they make her a cipher to allow Kazuya to just be like tying himself up in knots and like that's my biggest problem with the show is that like they just constantly like you know it's one of those shows where like you know every major problem would be solved by an an honest 15 minute conversation and that's like 15 15 second conversation honestly (laughs) and and, like like that can be fine like I mean like Snafu got you know for better for worse a whole season out of people not being able to do that but After for that, this out of people having a 15 second conversation over and over yeah and like and over and over and like and that is it kind of gets away with it because like that was like kind of the whole point whereas in this it just yeah. seems like entirely it just seems like it's very contrived to like to keep this very specific tension going and like all the other stuff is like you know like like shy girl it's like okay you know she's like a cute little sideshow for an episode like ruka is just like you know, she has like weird anime disease to like <laughs> again like cause tension between the main two, you know, which is also like you know super common like shonen romance trope. Like you have to have this other girl who obviously likes him, and you know, objectively you would think like, oh, you have a much easier time if he just like dated her. But the whole point of the show is like, these other two people who are like you know seemingly bad for each other eventually falling in love because that would be the going to be the actual end of the show but like because of all of these like contrivances this is just like not very like it's not very satisfying 
Well, it's also, for me, it's also frustrating because I think the show thinks it's very funny when Kazuya digs himself in deeper by telling a stupid lie rather than owning up to stuff. Um, and, but that's the only thing driving conflict in the thing. It's just Kazuya can't stop. He's just literally a compulsive liar who can't <laughs> stop lying at every single moment. Like, Speaking of Ruka, remember when she crashes his family's New Year's outing and he tells his family that she is a pathological liar who, <laughs> who delusionally thinks she's dating him. And then she has what, at least for me, would have been the most humiliating two hours of my life as a bunch of people treat me like a crazy person because the guy who has agreed to be my boyfriend <clears throat> on a trial basis has told them that I am a delusional lying psychopath <laughs> and to like not upset me or I will, or I will like go crazy or have a mental break. Like, and then we're supposed to be like, Oh, ha ha. And he like apologizes to her and she accepts the apology. Cause that's what always happens is, is <laughs> Kasia does, Kasia does something colossally shitty. And then like, gets confronted with the actual human cost of what he's done. And his response is always to cry and say he's a terrible person. And then all the girls are like, oh, come on, you aren't that terrible. And just pat him <laughs> on the head every single time. And it like, it's literally, it's literally just like incel, incel softcore porn of like a truly, a, a truly good girl will, will forgive you for whatever you do. And all the rest are evil sociopathic bitches like mommy who is hurting, who's trying to ruin your life for no reason, just because she's evil. Uh, <laughs> and that's really underlined with like the last episode's thing where uh, Kazuya again stalks Chizuru when she's out on a date with mommy uh, where mommy confronts her. And then mommy and then uh, Chizuru's like, you should actually give Kazuya a chance. He's a nice guy, which I don't know where she got that idea. <laughs> I guess I guess from seven episodes ago when he dove and he dove off a ferry to save her life when she when she suffered anime fever and fell over a railing, but uh, and she's like and she's like what are you talking about? No, absolutely not. And it's just like oh, so we had a chance to like find out why Chizuru thinks that Kazuya is worthy or why Mommy thinks thinks that like it's worth her time to have a full time fucking hobby of trying to ruin Kazuya's life. But we get neither because it's from his perspective, and now he's just like oh oh geez, these girls are talking about me. And he gets caught and he cries. He cries in front of her. And that's it. That's all he ever does. It's it's like it's it's like a perpetual motion machine, but the opposite. It's a perpetual a perpetual stationary machine. I, I think I'll just never move. I think, so okay, Andy. Are you a fan yeah. of the British office? You know I'm the fan of the British office, of course. It's great. And that show its stock and trade is just watching pe horrible people make things worse and worse for themselves for no good reason specifically because they're bad people that's pretty much that show. yeah i mean there's a few good people like martin from the office but like but i wonder if the, like I'm, i was gonna say i wonder if what you what what ben is reacting negatively to is just like that same sort of british joy of watching bad people make things worse for themselves and <laughs> just like horrible, horrible, like cringe inducing, like secondhand pain that y'all seem to love. If that's just like what yeah. you're reacting to, like uh, you, you just like, you just like the things that he doesn't like. <laughs> when I, when I watch it, you're like, obviously you don't, you're meant to somehow be on his side, but you're, you yeah, you're of, supposed to like Kazuya. You, you kind you're of supposed are, to think he's a fundamentally good person. You kind of are in the fact that you want 
like there's a girl that you have a particular attract like lightness over another one but then also like for me it's sort of just like I just enjoy like shouting at the TV like Kazia what the fuck are you doing man why the f-? and <laughs> that's what I enjoy like I enjoy the because like, it's you don't don't get something so traditionally like tropey uh harem show actually you do you get them quite a fucking lot you don't you don't get one that's that's this technically competent and this like creatively bankrupt i feel like it's a it's a fairly rare combination this one is so is so dumb and so mean-spirited <laughs> and yet like it looks beautiful it sounds beautiful it's got a, a great raft of voice actors the peggy's do an amazing song and they do that again that thing where they sing karaoke and they're like oh, oh yeah man what, that what's that? so also, I, like, what's your what's your favorite band? Oh, I love the Peggy's. Peggy's, yeah. Oh, the one that does Also, I should just clarify. I don't think he was stalking them. He was. It was his job, and they went to the same karaoke booth. And then, and then he they just, left. And they they left, and he followed them. And he no, said he got beings. he got he had to uh, didn't he have something to return to them? No, no. He, no, he specifically no. faked being ill by like chugging, <laughs> chugging four, he chugged a bunch of water. of water to make himself throw up. Oh yeah, and no, then he told his boss he had to leave. He's a bad person, Andy. <laughs> Maybe. Don't, don't make that face at me. Don't don't make your don't make your whatever mate face at me. I'm not going to accept that. I, it's just it's just this is the kind of shit that I I I enjoyed this sort of low level drama which which is inconsequential to whichever one he dates because you know it's Chizuru. And if it's yeah, not Chizuru, no, it's going to be like certain fucking. It's going to be nobody. The show, has t- the show has awful first girl syndrome. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> But then, like, I, I, but this is this is why I like this is why I like like Vuka. I think Vuka's the better girl. I think she's actually honest about her feelings, unlike everybody I else. Wish, I wish the show had even pretended that she was ever even remotely possibly in the running. Yeah, rather than like the, the rather than the end of one episode, him him like, okay, we'll do a trial dating, and then literally the first scene of the next episode is like, God, this girl's getting on my nerves. Anyway. <laughs> And, and I'm going to push mean, back on one thing you said. I'm going to say, I don't think you're supposed it, you... to... I don't think you're supposed to like Kazuya. I think you're supposed to identify no. him. You're supposed to identify the things you hate about yourself in him and then, mm-hmm. like, and then just, like, sort of, like, writhe in that self-loathing in the way that... Like, in that ContraPoints incel video where it's, like, you go online and you, like, hurt yourself digitally by, like, watching this bad show about the things about yourself that you hate. <laughs> I, I would agree with you, Jeff, except that we get two separate speeches from his friend about how he's actually like a really amazing person, including a completely nonsense anecdote about the time that he actually knocked over Kazuya's grow, like plant growing oh, project. Yeah. And then he like, he watered the weed that grew in there accidentally. Cause his friend, again, another theme of just like not lying to some, not, about lying to about something completely inconsequential. His friend didn't tell him he knocked over his project. And it grew a beautiful flower that, like, won a fucking prize. And it's supposed to tell us that, like, is determined and he's got, like, the right intentions and that's what matters in the end. Mm. What it's really saying is Kazuya will be rewarded for no reason just for being <laughs> a fucking idiot. Um, but you... At least that's what I heard. That's what, that was, that's what the read from the Anime <laughs> News Network reviewer is, and I agree with that. Like... His friend ruined his project and it ended up growing an even better flower for no reason because he was too dumb to stop watering an empty an empty pot of dirt. But, so. but doesn't that kind of show in general just the, the web of lies that everybody has in society? Like, I just feel that it... I, I, liked, it, I liked it better with Scum's Wish. The end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like, I think... Scum's, like... Scum's Wish at least knew that his characters were awful people. 
yeah. Magic Girlfriend thinks that Kazuya is secretly very worthy. I, yeah, I, I, will, I, I will. I will die by that. I think this, I think this uh, show's major like sin is incompetence. I don't think. I don't think it's as mean as you think. <laughs> I don't think it's as like scummy as you think. I just think it's not written very well, and so all the things it's trying to do kind of fall apart on like even a a moderately close examination. Well, yeah, but, but this is like this is like a well known as, as, as soon as fucking. Mammy Googles that girl's name. She's like, oh, she's a renter girlfriend. Like, it's it's not even in the in the concept of the show. It's not very well like hidden yeah. secret. So I I, I love <laughs> I love Chizuru like constantly being like, no one can know I'm a renter girlfriend, and like <laughs> no one can know it will it will destroy my <laughs> life. And and then like immediately, <laughs> it's literally like she's the most famous amateur renter girlfriend on the internet. Like yeah. it's like what the, why does the show even know what's going on? Also, the oh. other thing with the Christmas episode is is the payoff for that was that he thought he was being special, but really everybody who used her got a Christmas gift. Which yeah. is the ultimate payoff for that whole thing, where he realized that no, he's not special, but he still thinks he's special because he lives next to her, and then she sort of like puts him on another date with another girl who just fucking weird and random. Yeah, but the, but then like the you know the 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 obligatory gift that she got him was specifically reflecting a moment where he like literally saved her life, and then she subsequently saved his life. Sure, I mean that's pure coincidence. Like it could have been, <laughs> you don't know what the other people got. You don't know how many other people, uh, how many other times Chisholm's life's been saved. She has no fucking free time. Dates are constantly. <laughs> no, only every Wednesday. And then, and then whenever they happen to run into each other because uh, they live next to each other. There's a, there's a point. There's a point at the end when he finally decides to confess to her a confession that he walks back after the credits yeah. to to trick poor people like Jeff into thinking that the show actually had some closure. Um, <laughs> where he's like, where he's like, if I let her go now, I'll never see her again. And I screamed at my TV, "You live next door and go to the same college. What the fuck? You'll never see her again." You literally can hear her through the walls. Like, what? Yep. oh my god, oh my god. You you can see each other on our, on your balconies. Uh, is he uh, gonna go blind? Is he gonna drink bleach? I, I hope he does. It was, <laughs> it, it was, it was ridiculous. But then again, this is like the classic, like Harlem trope of just backpedaling so that everything can sort of remain this weird, like flux. So then it stops becoming popular. He can then write an ending, and fucking everyone's happy or, or not happy, depending on who he chooses. Yeah. Well, we'll find out. This is getting a second season. Yeah, um, right. It is. Uh, get- as a- <laughs> Yeah, it's probably gonna run until I don't know. Is is the uh, is it over? No, it is Winter Girlfriend over? I think it matters. <clears throat> but like the production and the animation, no, it's still going. The production, the animation, yeah. and all this yeah. kind of stuff is really nice. Like the, oh yeah, like <clears throat> it's really well. It's got a big budget, bigger than it really deserves to. Um, <laughs> yes, it's big, <laughs> like as big as a like you look at Uzaki Chan. That's not got. That's like almost. Just to, if not more popular online for the for the mm-hmm. memes and the uh, and the and the fan art, but that's not. Uzaki, what... Uzaki Chan is very gifable, though. I don't know if that's like a, a force in Japan, but it's definitely a force <laughs> in Western anime fandom. Yeah. yeah so we're talking we're talking um, about Uzaki Chan right now, right? <laughs> yes. That was okay. my said. Congratulations <laughs> for ruining it, motherfucker. Yes. Nice. Well, I was I was going to segue <laughs> because Uzaki Chan also undeservedly got a second season i have literally no idea no one i know likes this it, like it's vaguely funny occasionally and honestly we can rehash the fight that me and uh, the disagreement i guess it's not like it's there's not as much enmity for a fight 
but the disagreement that me and Jeff have about how like I like Uzaki Chan more because everyone there, the meanest person in Uzaki Chan is Uzaki, and it's just some light teasing. It's not even like like was it Nagatoro? It's not even that level of, yeah. of teasing. Um, Nozaki um, <laughs> Kun are you talking about? No, Naga, one, like a oh the other like, one that's not actually out as an anime yet. The manga. Yeah, yeah, yes. and yeah. Don't yes. don't tease me, Nagatoro. Um, yes. Read it, so. It's it's this, but she's like small instead of small and big booby. So that's yeah. well. I mean, like that that one is like it's it's basically just like softcore S and M porn. Yeah. Like it's the whole thrill is that she is actually mean to him and he's actually miserable slash loving it. Whereas this one, yeah, it but... kind of like sells itself on that idea, but then it actually is just these two people who are friends and have yeah, but an enjoyable time together not, this is the thing like she very much i only watched two episodes and then me and Ms. were kind of like oh, this is actually not as good as i was expecting but she only she really forces that friendship upon him they're not like they weren't close before they started and then a year later they she hadn't talked to him for some reason and she he was perfectly happy having his little life working at the cafe he was enjoying no friends his, at, at all he doesn't he, but he doesn't want friends he does have friends he has that he has at least one friend that we know that of is, yeah he does have, <laughs> who jokes about how they never hang out though like i think that i think that what's interesting with uzaki chan and if i like rewrote it as a better show would be would be like a loner realizing that like actually it's kind of nice having friends and not in like the weird pseudo codependent way that like uh snafu does which we'll be talking about in a bit <laughs> but just like like he like because there's a nice i think it's episode eight is the one where they like go out to to the the cultural festival and they like he like talks about how he's like you've kind of like you were like he finds out that she was that he was a big presence for her in high school and like was kind of the reason that she came out of her shell and became this annoying, teasing monster. Um, and he like thanks her for it. And I'm not used to the closed off male character in a love comedy being like, Hey, however this shakes out, thanks for being a part of my life. Like you made my year better. Um, and like, it's not great, but compared to just like the ceaseless deceit, and just like compulsive lying of rent a girlfriend, it made me like Uzaki Chan more. That like there are a couple episodes in the last couple in the last few episodes where where we just get a nice ending where these two characters realize that like this is a really gratifying friendship when Uzaki's not trying to get Sakurai drunk secretly mm-hmm. um, to get him back for getting her drunk, even though that was entirely her fault. <laughs> uh, and then she threw up on his futon. And then tried to buy him a new futon and he didn't want it because it was too much money. That's the level of humor in Uzaki-chan. Yeah. That and like Uzaki's mother thinking that he's talking about her when he's talking about how much he likes cats and like getting really freaked out that there's this NTR thing going on with with, <laughs> with her and him and stuff. Uh, I don't know. I like didn't love Uzaki-chan and I will probably very indifferently watch the second season. But I did like that it was just like a a romance comedy not built on how funny it is that people can't be honest with each other Mm -hmm. i like i know that's that's that sounds very wholesome and i don't want to make uzaki wholesome because it is like what if what if kohai big titty but uh but uh (laughs) but i just like the the jokes at the beginning (laughs) yes Uh, and at the end Uh, so (laughs) that's that's about right yeah like it yeah like the whole like weird big titty thing just seems to be like that was like the hook to keep 
the the manga alive when it was getting started. It's like you want to see this like a cute girl with big tits teach this dude, and it's like yeah, I guess <laughs> I guess that's what's gonna, what's gonna work. <laughs> like it, it, like on on that front, it seems kind of mercenary, but like yeah, like it's a very easy show to watch. Like you know with. 3-0 or snafu like i would typically like i wouldn't watch it until there was like a bunch and it was just kind of like all right i'm gonna watch this now whereas Ozaki, it's like oh there's a new Ozaki. i can watch that no problem yeah until, like, nothing's was, gonna happen don't yeah. worry it's very the, the most you're gonna see is the uh is the like 10 minute rant where she like completely go like goes off her rocker about like how people disrespect mint chocolate yeah. as a flavor <laughs> Okay, so is this, is there just like like a cultural thing about how mint chocolate tastes like toothpaste or something in Japan? Because like I've seen that joke come up so many times, where like there's one usually a girl who's like way into mint chocolate, and then everybody else hates it, and she hates it, everybody else hates it. Is that just like a thing? It's, or? That, it's that one so Gauru video too. That's like there's yeah. like mint, mint choco, choco mint is one of the. <laughs> it's a joke there too. So. Yeah, but I I just think it tastes like toothpaste. I, what toothpaste are you buying? Like, I'd buy the chocolate one for sure. <laughs> but it's true, chocolate mint does taste like toothpaste. I know it's an Austin Powers and a and a, a Saturday Night Live joke, but like we don't have chocolate toothpaste. It doesn't. It doesn't <laughs> no, taste good on a cracker. But chocolate so. mint, chocolate mint does taste like toothpaste. I, no, I it tastes like it. chocolate mint. <laughs> Yeah, it's supposed to be like it must be like ice cream cilantro, where like half the population thinks it tastes like soap, and the rest of the population thinks it tastes like <laughs> <perfect. laughs> I mean, I've had chocolate mint. I haven't had chocolate mint in America, so maybe chocolate mint is different in America. But in England and <laughs> Japan, it definitely tastes like fucking toothpaste with bits of chocolate in it. If you're lucky, uh, Bill Stein. <laughs> Am I? Yes, I, you I don't are. Think, no, I. I mean, it, it's not like Andy. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna send you that scene. I'm sure it's on YouTube, uh, I'm sure it so is. that we can. You, you will have, get a laugh at it. She's very angry at people like you. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'm with her because, like, that's probably my favorite flavor of ice cream. So I mean, you you're go. wrong. It's rum and raisin. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! How can you like rum and raisin? That's just very easy. Oh, that's an old man flavor. Yeah, that, that <laughs> is like. Well, I mean, oh yeah, Andy, the guy with it has very young t- taste. Otherwise, <laughs> well, yeah. Andy hasn't seen, hasn't seen an anime before the year 2000. So that is true. I have he is. <laughs> I I mean the the reason why I've I've not watched any anime is because I've been into Hollow Live, which is a whole fucking different thing. <laughs> so let's not get into that, yeah. Yeah, well that'll be a spin-off podcast. Yeah, you don't know what Hollow Live is, Ben. You're looking very confused. It's I I, I was just gonna let it pass. <laughs> yeah. We can okay. we can move on to we can move on to something else. Oh, quickly. Did Totary Preacher like pay for part of Uzaki like did they just like run low on money and they're like how about we just like have a whole episode that's just like a weird advertisement for this like very specific part of Japan for Detective no, Conan probably not it's, it's just a thing that anime does it just likes showing us certain prefectures just like how Yuru Camp did the whole thing for uh, like the rest of Chiba that is in Tokyo just just a thing that anime does like I like Zombieland Saga did the whole of Saga like there's no reason <laughs> Just it's set there. There's also a whole anime about a girl who loves Nagoya. Um, 
But but it's but it, it isn't set there, and it was just like one random episode. They're like, hey, we're gonna like we're gonna like enter a contest, and then we're gonna go there and you know I, I have mean, a bunch of like almost is... uh, romantic encounters because like oh, this place is secretly the romance capital of Japan, maybe. I mean, I'm I'm guessing it's sort of like a school episode, like a school trip episode that they go on. No, they win a. They just win a random like shopping district raffle. Yeah, they like randomly oh, buy a ticket. The, the classic random shopping raffle. Yeah, and, he's, yeah. and it's like, oh, I guess we're going to Totori, and then they like see the Detec- Detective Conan Museum and spend a lot of time there. Yeah, uh, it's it's, it's yeah. like it's like a series of like Degashi Kashi episodes, except about like tourist traps in Totori Brick for sure. <laughs> I swear, I watched another show where like. They just do that all the fucking time. Like that happens in Dragon yeah. Maid as well. Like it's just a thing. Yeah, it does. It's just the, the mangaka it's... goes on holiday in Japan somewhere <laughs> and they're like, well, now I get all of that. I'm just going to write all about this. Like there's no logic. There's no, no one pays anything apart from maybe that small off ca- offshoot of um, laid back camp, which was like five minute interstitials around Mount, Mount Fuji. Just mm. strange. <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was very odd. And it was just funny that like, because I looked up and I was like, okay, well, obviously, like, Detective Conan must be owned by the same by the same publisher that owns Uzaki Chan. And nope, nope, not even remotely related. Uh, so it's just literally this go and they, like, see that there's a big dune there that, like, is, like, really impressive. It's, like, the, like, the largest concentration of, like, fine-grained sand in Japan mm, or something. Yeah, that's and like... they, run, they, run down, they run down the dune and they, like, hang out at the Detective Conan Museum. And there's one other show that's known for being at Tokyo. Also, a bitch to get there. I tried. It takes you, like, five hours. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, it, I'm surprised it takes five hours to get anywhere in Japan. I guess that's well, the one place. No, right. Shinkansen is only on the south side. Totori's oh, on the okay. north side. Yeah. Yeah, there's no, there's no like direct rail connection. You have to take like a bus or something, right? Uh, there are small rails, but it's all JR and national rails. This is boring. But let's stop. <laughs> <laughs> but it's hard to get there. Take it. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> no, Andy, you gotta tell us, tell us like what. Fine. Well, you have to get off on the Osaka JR, then get the uh, JR line from. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. Sh- should we take a break uh, from Fuckboy Summer and talk about something that it's not about? <laughs> Shitty romance. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm so uh, it's tiny girl summer. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yes. Uh, so real briefly, since we talked so much about Real Gun T, uh, we watched the ending. It was good. When um when when uh, Satin and Uiharu showed up, I was like, oh yeah, we haven't seen like half the cast for a full third of this anime. Um, but yeah, it ended fine. Um, mm. That's all I have to say. It was, it was worth trying, the time. I'm trying to think if there's <laughs> anything substantial. Like, not it, it. Not really. In the end, it was, it was kind of the same old story, wasn't it? It was, it was the yeah. same. Oh, Academy City's doing bad things. We're going to stop them doing bad things. So forth, so on, and so forth. I, it really bummed. It really bummed me out that the that the bad guy was just like a scientist who like couldn't accept that his hypothesis was wrong and was just like gonna, uh, gonna make them. I kind of like that bit like the, the fact that for X number of episodes they've been teasing us with oh what if this scientist has actually accidentally created this being which has like split a soul, soul. and yeah. then it's nah it's actually just like got nanobots like <laughs> it's like oh fine, actually I just guess. nanobots is, is in fact the summary of a certain scientific railgun oh by the way real quick it's um 
it's Gegege no Kitara that's also set in Totori, as well as Detective Conan. Those are the two big Totori, Totori titles. So, yeah, just wanted to bring that up. Mm. <laughs> well, too bad John's not here, because he loves Gegege uh, no Kitaro. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, that's yeah, no, Rogan was fine. That's, that, it was fine. I liked, I liked a lot of it. Um, I liked... I actually liked the new specialist team scavengers yeah, that they introduced, they even though it was weird to find out that one of them is a is a either a cross dresser or a trans woman. It's yeah. not clear. It's it's the, I'm the sure that was handled the, very well. And yeah, the only, it was handled it was handled subtly until you understood what the what the joke was, and then it became gross. Yeah, so that's all. <laughs> uh, okay, it, was, it was good to see some like them addressing this idea that okay, you can have if you've gotten into a city which has like is a uh, what's the a me- is supposed meritocracy what happens when you're you're not progressing as well as other people what like people who whose abilities do not pro- progress send them to the the good school what if they get kicked out of the school because they're a bit difficult to work with and like these people who like have ended up like i i, I like that the that every time we've seen like the dark side teams, they've been like as edgy as that name implies. Like it's just <laughs> almost like a joke of just how how just like oh, this is just another collection of crooks, and this is just kind of like as the, as their name scavenger suggests, they're just kind of like people who've just got haven't really found a place for themselves, and like seeing their leader, who's been fairly ruthless up until that point, actually then showing a desire to actually do good and actually kind of be part of, of something and not not and support someone and find like, oh, this is what my ability's really good at and I can I can help someone who's way more powerful than me. And it was it was, yeah. was kinda nice. But again again uh Misaka Mikoto uh making friends because of her love of that frog cartoon <laughs> character who ever who apparently is such a pure love of that character that everyone always like comes around to it. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I I liked it. I like that. What I like about a big chunk of Railgun is that it's like, what if delinquents had superpowers? But it's not Mob Psycho one hundred <laughs> or or uh, or One Punch Man or something. It's just like it has a, it takes a different angle on it that is enjoyable. But we've talked this to death. Yeah. We don't need to, to linger I mean, long. I'd, I'd hesitate to argue that Mob isn't a delinquent, but whatever. Continue. <laughs> well, yeah, well, but you know what I mean. Just like, what if like thugs and bad people had superpowers and we had to fight them? Um, but uh, you might want to anyway, watch a show called JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. You might get a yeah, lot out of that. Uh, Especially part the, four. The, Let's talk about part uh, four. D- no, d- it's not defending Ben, oh. I think the thing with Mob is a lot of the villains are low, low key villains. That like they're they're scamming people or they're pulling confidence tricks, and it's the same mm. with Railgun. A lot of the villains have like very low, very small low, goals. Yeah, <laughs> and that's why. I, and that's what we like about it, I think. Like it's, and what we hated about about the mainline index stuff, like that that their villains are like literally people trying to subsume the power of God, and yeah. like indexes. Murdering now. angels to steal the power of God is literally the plot of the third index season. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of, uh, I don't even know how to transition to decadence. Um, that's, that's a good way to I do know it. Yeah. Speaking of overthrowing God, well, because it was a, it was a big surprise for people. I know mm-hmm. Everyone, no one really expected it to. It's the one genuinely good show that I watched this season. <laughs> they should have expected because it's the same animation team as Mob. So 
Take. Oh, that would have been a really good connection. <laughs> yeah, man, <laughs> really. Then. Good job. I've just made oh, well. it. So, Jeff, well, let's talk take it away, then, Duncan. <laughs> Time for you to fight about politics for 10 minutes. I'll set the timer. <laughs> well, first, first, we'll, first we'll have a love-in about the animation. Then we'll fight about well, politics. Wait, give, a, give a brief like, synopsis of like, the yeah, stuff that happened. Yeah, what the fuck is that? Do you want to go for the synopsis, Jeff? Oh, do, sure. Um, so <laughs> what if the Matrix, but the squid robots were cute little like phone charm people, <laughs> and also they were also... People and not just random monsters. Like Andy, let him fucking finish. Yeah. So okay. So the 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 basic concept of decadence is that in the far future, you know, the, the first episode plays it pretty straight. Like you know, the last remnants of humanity are stuck inside this gigantic moving fortress, going through the wasteland. There's like random monsters uh, in the world, and there's these like this like force of superhumans called the gears and like some like low powered normal people called the power and they like fight the monsters and then like the the moving fortress like sort of subsists on like their like blood with that they, they could turn to like energy and like the meat that's the, that they eat and you're like thinking oh this sounds like kind of a video game and that's the big twist in the second episode that you find out the whole thing is basically a uh like a spectacle, like a video game being run by this uh, floating fortress of cyborgs called the like like Steady Quake or something like that. They just yeah. call it the system mostly for <laughs> throughout the whole show, and like they are basically stage managing the these uh, these monsters attacking this uh, city, and like the whole idea is that like oh you know you can like take part in this thing and it's also like taking care of like the last humans because this whole system was created because uh like humanity was like ruining the earth and so they're like oh we're gonna like, create this like perfect system that will like preserve the last you know bits of humanity and make sure that you know things never get out of control again and the whole and then like you know the show is about you know both like you know mostly it, it's what's kind of like a nice twist on it is that the people who start leading the charge against the system are like the cyborgs, like, you know, the people who are like nominally like the beneficiaries of this sham, they start, you know, be, you know, because of their interactions with uh, humans, like, so like, like there's this whole thing where, you know, there is these like sort of like these overseers who anybody who is a threat to the system is marked as a bug. And if they're a human, that means they're basically just, like you know unceremoniously killed and if they are a cyborg you know there's a chance that they might get rehabilitated and they get sent to this like factory and like like everything like you know and you know and there's also like you know a scene that where it's almost exactly like in the matrix where it's like oh even your rebellion is something that we've accounted for and the but like because the robots aren't just like you know, pointlessly evil for the sake of being evil because like, oh, you know, the real monster is man. And, you know, we learned that, you know, we were like this because we watched you kind of stuff like that was in the matrix. It's like <laughs> the matrix is mostly about like identity, whereas decadence is very much about class and especially uh, like class on a global level where like the, like the, the, the main people who are like the victims are also, yeah. you know, are, are barely even aware of like this, dynamic whereas the people at the top are so alienated from the suffering that their system causes that they are like they're like they're almost addicted to the like the situation like 
Yeah, I I think like I could, that the fact that I can say that decadence is kind of historical materialism. The anime is not actually far off. Like, it sort it, of it, is, it, yeah. <laughs> and that's a very strange thing to say in this day and age. But I'm very glad that it exists because of that. Yeah, because I think you you are spot on that it is in, like it stratifies its classes. Vert- like literally vertically you have a orbital station where the cyborgs live and then you have the mobile fortress where the humans live that uh, in in a, a t- fuel tank literally they are the, the they are the fuel for this system mm-hmm. and below them in like the recycling is where the bugs live like you've got your your upper your middle and your lower class and it's yeah. just like they're they're in, in big big letters and like there have been many class tales over the years like some of them very on the nose and deliberately and utterly focused on being political and i think decadence kind of just edges away from that and starts being about the effect of these larger systems and Mm -hmm. uh, politics on individuals Mm -hmm. like it's it's not talking about it's not like something like uh, 1982 which is just uh, 1984 sorry not 1982 Uh, it's not it's not something like 1984 which is just a just a a is and this is is how these things happened it's more about this is what's going on around you look at how it affects people differently and see why these people might be scared of change mm-hmm. might yeah. like because like the, there's a key free like there's free as after we settled down and the whole big plot's been revealed and everyone knows where they, they stand like the 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 question the characters are all faced with is okay are we we've made these big changes we've we've undermined the 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 way the system was working what now and for some of them like you mentioned uh the the, the robot who is turkey yeah. um for some of them it's like i i liked where i was in that system it was mm. I, it which is, fit me well. Which is hilarious because, like, he was marked as one of a bug. And, like, so one of the, like, the cyborg hero, uh, Kaburagi, like, he sort of, like, gains, like, enlightenment by making friends with this girl, Tanker, like, one of the humans. And he's, like, you know, he's, like, you know, she's been sort of, like, like accidentally left out of the system. So she's considered a bug is, you know, for a moment when she was a child, she was caught in a monster attack and she died for a second. So like in the system, she's marked as dead. And so she's sort of like, you know, without really knowing it, she's free to like pursue her dreams in a way that's not being stage managed by this system. And he's like, I, you know, I wish I could live like that. And then he's like, wait a minute, why don't I live like that? And he's, mm, and, and yeah. then, then in doing so, he gets marked as a bug and thrown into this like penal colony, which is like, it's literally a poop factory. Like, because <laughs> these monsters are like, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're biologically, you know, created to like also work as a fuel source, you know, these robot, you know, these cyborgs who are like sort of like kicked out of the system, they're doomed to basically like shovel and eat poop until they die. 
but there's even in this system there's like this stratification where like there's these guys who like you know they still have access to video games and they still have access to like poop booze and stuff and <laughs> and like and they're Dude, and they're, yes. they're like they're so mentally colonized by this system where you know even now this guy is like nothing better is possible and you know if the system goes down it's just gonna be chaos we're all gonna die like like, there's a big difference because there's like you know there's a kind of a comparable uh, character in the matrix called cypher who mm-hmm. like you know he goes to ancient smith and makes a deal and he's like i want to be put back i want to have like a life of luxury whereas with turkey like that that isn't even necessary like he's just like oh this is going to fail you know i don't want to risk my like life living in the poop factory playing video games so i'm going to betray these other people yeah. for no for like for no promised gain like he you know he at never at no point does he ever even like talk to one of the guards like he's like he convinces somebody mm-hmm. else to wrap them out like he's think, not even whisk, willing to risk going that far out on a limb to maintain his lifestyle and yeah. like the and the way the system sort of like inc- like it isn't it doesn't so much you know encourage you to be self-interested it it makes you it, you know it, it will attack any instance of people putting themselves or putting others before themselves mm-hmm. with such a like with such a subtlety that people will just like forget that it's been possible and then you know, it takes like a rare person to actually stand up for the fact that like oh i'm actually going to put myself you know out on the line for somebody else for no obvious gain for myself and yeah. that that is what the system goes after more than anything and mm-hmm. even it, you know go ahead it's even it's interesting that you mentioned uh, the cypher character from matrix because i think like turkey is kind of the the, the closest uh like mm-hmm. one-to-one for him but what I liked about the show is that there's not just that his sentiment is not just shared by this this very much this easily hateable villain that's a sentiment which is also shared by heroic and like empathic characters specifically mm-hmm. the captain of the giant uh, fortress yeah. Minato who is a old comrade in arms of Kabakuri and Faye, uh, this young girl who's a childhood friend of At- Natsumi, and they both, all three of them, have this this phrase they use, which is, "I just wanted things to stay as they are, mm-hmm. and that 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 was enough for me." That yeah. that phrase, that was enough for me, and yeah. this and idea things aren't that possible. yeah, and and the the idea that a the it that these people can be finding a genuine contentment in that that Faye was happy that it's not false sentiment she's not delusional but she was still accepting of of that you can find happiness within these systems but it doesn't mean those systems are right and, and that, i th- i think that's a very difficult thing to say because the moment you say okay someone can find happiness within this system you it becomes more difficult to condemn it and it but that's also leads... part of the system like that's the whole yeah that's yeah, you know, yeah. that's and it's it, 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 it's generally interesting because like you know in another thing the cyborgs would be like a super easily you know easy to hate group of people but it takes care to like demonstrate that nobody like hardly any like even the people at the very top do not have any bad faith or ill will like they all genuinely believe this is necessary we have to do this and maintaining the system is worth any sacrifice 
And, you know, the whole point yeah. of the system was to maintain, was to preserve humanity. And then at the very end, like one of the big, you know, one of the big monsters goes out of control. It threatens the, uh, it, it threatens the whole, like the whole, like the floating city. <laughs> and so their solution is, oh, we'll just like, kill everybody on earth, including the monster, including all the last remain, you know, remnants of humanity, because in the end, the whole point is to preserve the system and every person in it is just like an instrument of the system like there's like there's no one person or any group of people more important than the system and therefore it's justifiable to eliminate mm -hmm. all living people on earth to maintain the system and i think that is where like it's you yeah. know and you know it's it's the system that's the problem it's not the people mm -hmm. and like and then and like even though like there is a moment when uh uh shit what is the main girl's name now uh not see me Natsumi, when she like, she finds out the truth, and you know from Kaburagi, who's like, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, and she's like, why did you tell me this? Like, I didn't want to know any of this. Like, I don't care about this stupid system. Like, all I wanted to do was live a life where I was like happy. And like, you know, he's the only like he like ends up sort of like pushing this revolution onto her. And then like, mm. you know, the the fact that she has this like close relationship with him is what brings her along. It's not like high minded idealism. And even with him, like, he's just like, I want to protect her. Like if I don't do this, like she's going to die. And like, none of like, like none of the politics are like, you know, it's not like, you know, he's like Lenin or Marx where he's like, the system is bad. Here is an itemized reason why these things are bad. You know, this is the, you know, we are morally required mm. to like do these things. And it's just like, you know, you know, another anime is like, what if human connections are good actually? <laughs> and, 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 and like, you know, and trying to maintain that in a system designed to like, alienate and like atomize people to keep them like keep their energies you know controllable so that you know you can maintain a state of stasis which you know depending on where you sit on the political spectrum is you know i think i, I think everybody can recognize you know the, the present day in this and i think probably where you sit on that spectrum probably you know shapes your opinion of like you know is this a bad thing is this a good thing but like I yeah like, I don't think you need fundamentally disagree on anything. Yeah. You know, it's like we probably just like I'm more of a like yeah burn it all down you know, like <laughs> all of you know like Faye is like you know fooling herself. She's just afraid of things getting worse. Mm. I think like one of the interesting things like you, we talk about how it went a bit drastic park at the end, and I kind of liked that it did like not completely overlook the way that. Uh, the system and humanity interacts with its environment and the mm -hmm. idea of of domesticating uh, animals and yeah. like the the, the, the their kaiju equivalent yeah. are essentially domesticated and we get this idea that all that this the the, the event which almost destroys this this system comes from them being basically intensively farmed and uh, and this disease breaking out from because of that and mm -hmm. sure that's one hell of a thing we can uh, relate to right now um yeah because yeah, like, like you know it, it 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 sort of stands in for a whole bunch of different kinds of blowback like you know you could say like oh you know we you know the u.s created chaos in the middle east to maintain its hegemony mm -hmm. and now you know and then because of that you have isis and you have the twin towers falling yeah, and everything yeah. else you know but you also have you know things like you know, oh, we've, you know, we've 
buried too greedily and too deeply into the woods yeah. <laughs> and into you know genetic and engineering no and now we have but... pandemics and now we have you know cancers and everything else like they all, mm. you know they all it's a big stand-in for you know you know the hubris basically yeah <laughs> you've heard of hubris yeah yeah and uh, it, we I, I like that we get an end which isn't like an amazing utopia it's kind of still still ragged it's still everyone's still quite kind of figuring themselves out and where they mm. are but they're that it's like people are, are being allowed to be themselves instead of fitting into a role that the the systems set for them even even the the animals, the kaiju, are shown to be not necessarily aggressive. That mm -hmm. this is something which has been bred into them, and that they yeah. they don't necessarily have to be this way. Because you have like um, you know several instances of kaiju in the show, or Godan or Goland or whatever the yeah. the the anime word for it. But like you know, they find one in some goop on the side of the thing, and it's like you know he's like sort of the the anime like like the Ein, the like, like boy the, dog. Yeah, they just like the little mascot named Pipe. And you know you get a you know a little, nice little bit of tragedy when like you know because they like you know they they find the big button marked kill all monsters and Literally, they push it yeah. and then you know as part of their revolution and then you know it, it takes pipe with them and like and there's this like you know really great scene where like Kaburagi like understands what he's about to do and he, like you know his last look yeah, at pipe is like sorry buddy this is gonna happen though <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it's it's I like the it has a really. E well fleshed out supporting class like mm -hmm. there's among those who who like it like jill jill the sort of hacker hacker bot is yeah. like a, a complete fan favorite because um andy will like this she's voiced by the uh actress who does susie in L little witch academia and it's got this exactly oh, the great. same amount of sass it's ah. yeah. she's she is absolutely yeah. withering to everyone else she runs into and it's just a pleasure whenever she gets a line and just completely tears someone apart <laughs> and and we we sort of get find out like her role in this is she was like one of the original designers essentially and that she's just she her philosophy was just different to everyone else's and that like she she sort of enjoys bugs and and sort of mm -hmm. thinks they're good and then and, and that's specifically why she gets cast out of the system is because yeah. like she's introducing this element of chaos yeah and, and we meet her her opposite hugin who's voiced by um oh yeah uh, takahito koyosa I yeah. can't pronounce his name, but AKA Roswell from uh from ReZero and like a million other things. I think he, I'm pretty sure he's in Uza or uh Utina. He he's he's a uh yes, he's 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 Toga. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's very much got that very serious voice to him and mm -hmm. like, like very really, much really looking heavy, down heavy on everyone else. Bass voice, yeah. 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 He's, Ill, he's Ill Palazzo in, in uh, Exile <laughs> oh, Sad. Oh, yeah, we could have watched that show again. We, <laughs> we should yeah. do a tween. We should do, yeah. we should do a, we an should. Exile Saga slash Puni Puni Poemi tween. Oh, God. Um, and, he's, uh, he's, and he's Duncan. He's Yuri in Planning Tastes. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the Russian or the Ukrainian astronaut. That's one of his more restrained performances because he does like to ham it up. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you know, making another Matrix connection. He, you know, he's obviously having a very good time with this role, just like Hugo Weaving is with Agent Smith. Yeah, like, he, just, <laughs> he has that like that that charisma comes through playing a like a blank cipher character. Yeah, and it's 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 it was honestly like we should have known it was good. 
because it was coming from <laughs> Mob Psycho's directors. But w- with any anime original thing, you're always a little bit ca- cautious. But it ended up great, and I, I yeah. think it, apart from one other show which we'll talk later, it was probably my anime of the season. Certainly, consistently, mm-hmm. amazingly e- visually watchable throughout, and as you say, like has this really powerful structure to it. Yeah, yeah. I have a brain disease where like I tend to like latch onto shows that are bad just because like I like trying to figure them out but this is, this is just like a genuinely good show and like if it came out and another time it probably would have ended up like a classic but like anybody who's never heard of it i definitely recommend checking it out it's an it's really good it's really awesome okay well speaking of other instant classics we also have the second season of re-zero mm. right that Ooh, some boy. people watched Ooh boy <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know i know there, there people suggested saving this for its own standalone, but just like some brief comments on like how you feel having. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm this because I've 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 not watched any of second season, and uh, I would rather oh, keep it reasonably fresh. So yeah, yeah. You, you you may take your headphones off. Oh wait, someone 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 but me is the spoiled baby for us. Yay! Woo! <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to be a baby about <laughs> the stuff that I'm not watching, but when I'm mid through something like V Zero, I feel mm. that uh, maybe some spoilers yeah. wouldn't. I, th- I think so. I, well, I think, I don't think we should be that that detailed. Just like like, did you like it? Was it a was it a good payoff for what had been set up in the first season, and that made all of y'all so <sighs> fucking horny for it? I think <laughs> it was just like this is like better than the, the the first season by like some some amount for me. Like the first season was very much all about shock value. It was all about. Oh, here's this 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 gimmick that the only power this guy has is he can die as many times as, he, as it takes to to get something done, and each time he dies, he's just reset to us this sort of save point in the world, and it doesn't, and he still experiences all the pain of death, etc. But he if he fails, he can try again, and and that's Rezero's gimmick, and like yeah, but they, it's not a, it's not a shock value though, is it? I think. That the great thing about ReZero is the fact that it's not he doesn't treat it like fucking ground like Bill Murray and Groundhog Day. He treats it like every time he dies, he doesn't know you whether are, he's going to come old, back. You are an old man. You could have mentioned uh, Tom Cruise and Edge of Tomorrow, but you decided to do Bill Murray. <laughs> I have Day because I've because... seen Edge of Tomorrow. That's... Oh, you should. It's pretty good. Yeah, it is. That's it? Oh, that's right. you, don't, you don't watch movies. <laughs> but like, I don't know. I, I think. A lot of that show stock and trade, especially in this first season, is like they they give you a bunch of characters that you like, and then they do awful, awful things to them mm. over and over again mm. until Subaru gets it right. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, but much... no, I, even then I disagree because he doesn't get it right. He doesn't get it right a, a lot of the times, but those were not. No, but eventually, but no, because even the stuff that he gets wrong, he still doesn't like. Like he, the whole shit with Amelia, like his massive fuck up from the whole of first season was him having this massive hero complex in front of Amelia. And that was, if anything, the driving force between the rest for the rest of the show. And that's what made it good. Because he didn't he didn't he could have, when he did that, realized that he fucked up so massively. He could have killed himself and then reset that bit and then not been a massive dick. But he didn't. So it's one of those things where it's like it's he doesn't just fuck up he doesn't just fuck up, fuck up, fuck up till he gets it right. Because he doesn't know when if he gets it right or wrong, he just has to roll with those punches, but he doesn't know that when he dies, he doesn't know why, like whether he's going to come back again. No, I, I, can, I, can, respond, I, can, 
I could respond to this, but you said you didn't want to have any kind of insight into what's going on. So if there's stuff coming up in season two, then that's that's fine. I won't respond. But yeah, I felt cause... that I felt that a lot of season one was very much Kazuya not understanding his powers and, and not being able to tell anyone about his powers. So therefore, yeah. that giving him a, a both a hero complex as well as mm-hmm. refusing him the right to be the hero in the situation. But that's given him this sort of. Um, reason to mm-hmm. exist and to intervene when really he doesn't have any reason to intervene yeah. and that's what made everything great about season one and interesting. Yeah. The, the, and, the, and season two is very much like a natural continuation of that examination that's good. so like yeah the the, the episode uh, that you mentioned andy where he he basically just goes on an absolute rant of, of how he should be the hero and and just gets completely shot down in in season one that that was one of the standouts for me and that along with the episode with uh puck going all uh uh god beast on us and freezing mm-hmm. the entire world those those <laughs> were like the two like standouts like you what moments of the first season, which I think everyone remembers. Along I thought, with, I along thought, with Rem, obviously. I, there you go. That's I was going to say, even I'll... then, like that Rem arc was like the final solution. Like the fi- not the final solution that came out, came out, came out <laughs> wrong. It, that was that was the that was the timeline that he you that survived, as it were. That mm. was the version of Subaru that went to the next save point, as he calls it. Like he doesn't always get things right. And I don't know. Have did you watch the first episode of, of season two, Andy? So, I've not watched any of it. Okay, then this is the point you're probably going to want to step back because oh, it's I'm all spoilers from now. It's all spoilers from now on. So, dear listener, what as we've just pointed out, one of the things which was established in season one of Rezero is that Rem is a good girl, but <laughs> the best girl even. <laughs> Indeed. So what would happen if, say, in episode one of season two, if Best Girl was killed and turned out Subaru couldn't go back and save her using his uh, return from death powers? Oh, no. Yeah. Indeed. So, and, that, and that's yeah, how and, season two... That, I think and, this is my... Like, I, I really... I'm, I'm going to stick it out for the rest of the season because, like... I think I've said it on mic before that, like, I didn't really love ReZero... In the like the first season of ReZero, until I actually like finished it, and then I kind of like retroactively ended up liking the mm. stuff that I didn't like. And I think the show's stock and trade is like here is a whole bunch of awful, awful things, and that makes the eventual solution to these problems that much better because like there yeah. are some like really great moments of triumph in the first season, whereas we haven't gotten anything like that in the second season mm. it's all mm. just been like what if it got worse but what if it got worse but what if it got even worse and what <laughs> if his you know every instinct about this is wrong and has this, mm. this is how it's mm. wrong mm. and mm. this is how he's like you know you know everything that's gotten him through this is not going to work this time and that, which is like a, a strength of the first season as well where it's like he'll think he's figured something out solve a problem and then the next arc is oh that's not going to work anymore and then he has to figure something else out and then this season is like it's more of that and like you know and you know the stakes increase and you know we get some like pretty shocking reveals of like different characters but like there hasn't yeah. been like 
a single moment of like triumph and levity yet and so it it is like a de- this has been like a depressing season to watch and I, things I'm just s- like keep getting and I'm, I'm hoping that like we're gonna get something good soon because like it's a real bummer right now i mean like i think like for me this the strongest episode of the the whole season was uh parent and child which is when we get that one thing most east sky don't give us which is a insight into the the world uh Asuki sabru lives in mm-hmm. day to day and we go back and we meet both of his parents and that was for me like an incredibly st- strong episode which like shows you both why he is how he is and why that's a terrible terrible thing for him and like for, like we start there's two sides to hit him and like they break it they don't quite break it straight down the middle between his mum and his dad but it's not far off because i think i talked about this briefly last time but the 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 key thing to which we're shown is that subaru is very much living in the, the shadow of his dad as in his his life his dad's a big man in the local community and time and time again subaru has throughout his life has compared to him like we see him as a young kid and like he goes through this this moment of 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 like he starts out like happy with just his achievements of like of winning a race but uh, every time he doesn't quite live up to his dad's dad's legacy he he well he the phrase which they use which i thought was a great one is what used to be my best got smaller and smaller and every every action he takes he just becomes more and more into uh his dad's shadow and and the praise he's everyone was giving him saying oh yeah you're definitely his kid instead becomes this almost hammer which is beating him down and like this this thing which pushes him further and further into depression and, it's, that, it's that very relatable for a certain demographic of like the, you know the early bloomer big achiever as a child sort of like getting clobbered by reality as they grow up yeah the g- gifted kid syndrome yeah is, at least we call it in the states mm. <laughs> and i think it's like the, the i i love that first half of the episode because that that explains a lot about him but the thing i think i missed watching it first time around and which only really comes you sort of fully appreciate later after you see how the whole series unwinds is is his mum's presence in his life of how like she's probably like he acts like his dad but he's actually his mum like that's that's the thing he's learnt learnt that people want him to to appear like his dad but he's actually what people actually realise when they they're closer to him is he both looks and is more like his mum and like this one personality and she understands him because she's living it in the same she loves his his father but she is still constantly in his his shadow and she understands how being like just subsumed into the personality of someone else can can in sort of of make it feel like impossible and like she says to him like if you if you're just like just be fifty percent of what your dad is, and it's you'll still be awesome. Don't 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 sweat this. Like it's and like don't like she she's she has this wonderful conversation with him where she she tells him like don't don't worry about the journey being tough. Like as it's how it 
it ends, which is important. Like where where you even if it's tough, it's, it's, as long as you end in a good place and you're happy, that's what's important. And and the what absolutely killed me was Subaru who actually immediately goes, oh, so that means ends justifies the means, right? And she's like, no, Subaru. <laughs> and then you're like, God damn, he really wasn't listening. Listen to your mom, dude. Listen to your mom. And like, yeah. And that, and that episode ended with this absolute gut punch where we get her saying goodbye to him and that triggering a flashback of the last, the moment we actually first meet him in the series where he leaves leaves the house and walks down to the local convenience store just to buy some, some food. He, he's doing it late at night to avoid being seen by anyone. And he, he doesn't, he doesn't turn back to her as she says goodbye. The last moment, this person who loves him and who he loves says goodbye to him and he doesn't say goodbye. And like, that's, that's, that's like, you feel so sorry for him. And so <laughs> like all the horrible th- things which happen to him physically, like that emotionally, he like, and that, that feeling that he, he will never see his, his family again. Like, I, I liked I liked that they went from um, physically beating him up to emotionally beating him up, <laughs> and yeah, it was that was an, an outstanding episode for me. And like the the and I throughout, I think a lot of what you you said was true, Jeff. Like there was a problem with them beating him up a bit, seeing how many horrible things they could do to him, how many different ways they could kill Beatrice or the 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 the. the many different maids mm-hmm. um but all the townspeople the, and Subaru yeah. and and it gets to the point where you know he realizes he's in a situation where like this has been specific like like we're you know it's now revealed that like you know people know about his ability and they're specifically manipulating things that like he can't make everything good like because they specifically want him to yeah. you know just shut out everything except for one goal and then concentrate on that because like like Rosewall the you know, the, yeah, you know, Roswell. Oh, like, yeah, he's like, he's, you know, he basically, he wants, you know, he knows about Subaru's power and he wants Subaru to use it to help Amelia. And he's like specifically constructed the, all of the situation that they're in now so that he will learn to let everybody go except her. And he's, you know, and, and he also gets to meet all of the, you know, all the witches who turn out to be like, you know, like the seven deadly dairy. So like, you know, the Witch of Wrath is like a like ganky like. Uh... Before we go off Roswell, okay. Um, the uh, what's the Ben will be able to answer this for me. What's the name of the uh, f- philosophical question where you have t- uh, people on two tram lines and you have to decide? Uh... Trolley problem. Yeah. Okay, so basically Roswell goes to him, I've set up the trolley problem, and uh, except everyone on both sides are people you love, and you've got to dis- decide, do you want to kill people you, you, these people you love to die, or these people you love to die? Yeah. <laughs> it's like... But oh he's boy. also not like a, a, a you know, a neutral observer, because like he wants him to choose Amelia, and he's trying to make it impossible to choose anybody else. Hmm. Don't, you were going to talk about the witches. Yeah, the witches, the, the, the witches like, it was like an interesting 
creative choice because like you know up until now they've just been this kind of like dark presence over the rest of the series like yeah. you know, we've met like apostles of these things but you know now we get to meet them in person and of course they're all like you know the witch of sloth has that sort of like whoo like uh like lazy courtesan affect and the witch of wrath I, I, is like a sundry like i'm not i don't like you i'm actually really mad kind of like <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, yeah yeah and, and but then you know it's also you it, it's like as much as like ReZero like sort of you know leaned on the tropes and understands what it is like it is like well constructed and like you know the one we get to see the most is the witch of greed uh echidna who mm. you know we find out is you know a lot of like rosewall's deal is like sort of like messing around in her sort of like pantry after she's gone after the fact yeah and you know she's like you know oh i you know i just want to help you because i'm so curious about what you're going to do and you know we, but you sort of like see the depths of that like absolute yeah. greed of like you know i you know Deep i want to give you everything i want yeah. you know, i'll do anything for you because i'm so desperate to see how you're going to use this wild power of yours to you know to do things and like you know she doesn't care one way or the other what happens mm -hmm. to um she you know if it's if it's terrible things if it's wonderful things it's all the same to her yeah and, you know so she's like you know she wants him to stay in this cycle forever but at the same time she's offering him the power to like you know because he still hasn't given up hope that he can find you know the perfect golden ending you know even though it's becoming more and more clear that that's probably not ever going to happen yeah i i enjoy echidna a lot she's it's a, a great performance by her VA as well because mm -hmm. she gets this this tone like it's a strange it's a concept we don't see much like greed as a sin being the greed for knowledge like not not for for possessing th things but for, for possessing the ideas and the what and obviously to someone like that someone who essentially has uh, access to infinity is an incredibly enticing prospect and mm -hmm. throughout the the series she, she she's basically playing it a bit coy she's she's like as you say the she the, the seven deadly dares where she's like oh no, I, I, I i i'm not really that interested in you but by the the, the <laughs> final episode we we actually get to see exactly how interested she is and she, where she basically just does this big speech with hands in the air ecstatic grin on face about exactly what her plans for him is and like turns to him and is is like isn't that great yeah yeah <laughs> and he's like no 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 really no and and like i it I enjoyed like the 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 visual designs of the witches as well. Like, they're, they're, it's it's obviously like this this fairly within like a, a general anime template for for witchiness. But like as you say, uh, Minerva uh, as the the Sundra and like using punching and and kicking love and and healing into things. Like like literally being the the witch of wrath, but her her punches and and hits heal things and like that that being like a, a weird weird thing and i the the big thing which has obviously been looming all, over all this is the sort of main the main witch um satella or uh yeah who amelia may be or may be part of and we that's very much 
The first season sets out that everyone thinks Amelia looks like her and that she was this incredibly powerful being who killed all the other witches and basically then disappeared from the world, but left all their still incredibly powerful creations were left behind. And that's why they, they hold such fascination to the rest of the world, because their disciples and their creations still linger in the world, even after they're gone. And they're like this overarching presence on both the world and uh, Baru himself. And we finally get to meet her after, like, God, it must be 60 episodes since the, the, the start of the first series. And the, like... We, we we meet her and we see like she has as all the glimpses we've had uh uh so far is that she has an obsession with with him like she and like we get a clearer idea of what that obsession is that's an, an obs- it's a, a it's love she she's she's in love with Subaru and that this well specifically she's in love with him and she also hates that he loves anybody else yeah and that she she keeps bringing him back from from death because she wants doesn't want she will not let him die because she she loves him that much she she cannot let him go he she cannot let him rest she has to have her, has to have him and this this is a character who to us is set out as like just this incredibly unhealthy obsession. Like when, when we see glimpses of her, she's got this, like that, that classic anime purple smoke coming off her and is like, yeah, this is just a a malignant being. And then what's great about the final episode is that this malignant being is actually the one who gives Subaru self-help advice. Like, and like that, that like Subaru's like, talking to her and, and like saying like why do you do this to me and uh, i why why do you make me suffer like this and and she's like I, I do it because i i love you and he's like well i don't care um but and she says i do it because i want you to love yourself more i want you to care for yourself i want you to not not risk yourself like this and like for for this this person who we've just seen as like just this pure evil presence to then just turn to Subaru and say I've given you this power but you shouldn't use it because it's incredibly bad for you and it's like your very worst qualities he's he's taking over like oh that's just such a great contradiction to throw out out. it's so juicy (laughs) yeah I'm I'm looking forward to the second half of the scene I want to see what happens I'm hooked, even and, if uh, like every episode I come out feeling like put through the ringer. Yeah, and like just that that final knife, knife, which was that we get a, f- a, f- a full look of her face, and it is Amelia. It, it, it is, or it or it is fun- She is functionally identical to yeah. Amelia. She she's not doesn't just look a bit like her. She she looks identical, and she tells Subaru to kill her. Mm-hmm. And that's where where the season fades out, and like, like, uh, like it's, it's so good because like part of me feel feels like if she o- only for one moment applied to the same stuff she's telling to S- Subaru about caring for herself to herself, then none of this would have happened. And I wonder if that'll ha- maybe that's the the final arc for Rizio. Can 
you make someone who's just about envy actually care for herself. And that's that. <laughs> <laughs> that was our, that was our, our, our brief. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we need a second podcast after after that. But uh, I'm glad that it's. I'm sorry. It's still... it, it was my show of the season. I, I absolutely loved it. Um, oh I've... no, I'm glad. I'm very glad for you. I just like. Yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> it obviously obviously it does elicit very strong emotions, and it's it's still got a bit to go. So that's cool. Uh, speaking of uh, eliciting strong emotions, Jeff, how do you feel about? um situation normal all fucked up uh my th romantic comedy snafu is something just as whatever bullshit yeah i i wish the this climax <laughs> season was better like i i am an unapologetic booster of snafu i know it's, it's kind of divisive and like it's really up its own butt and i've like sort of half jokingly <laughs> described it as like like Mogatari with all the whimsy removed from it and this this season like it, it just seems like it suffered from like a lack of material and a lack of scope because like you know you and me have been going back and forth all season just like they're yeah. still talking they're just talking about the same thing over and over again the whole thing is about them trying to make a like because like, you know like, the basic idea is that like you can know has like is trying to like distance herself from the from the from the squad because like her sister is like oh you're codependent and she's like oh shit am i <laughs> and so she's like i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna do this prom that i don't care about but i only want to do it because i want to prove to everybody that i'm not codependent and then hickey's like well i'm gonna help her but i'm gonna help her by not helping her because helping her won't help her so if i anti-help her it'll secretly double help her and so that's like an excellent synopsis of <laughs> this, this season and and i and like that's sort of the whole point of snafu is that it's these two people who are in you know basically you know bad at communication which can be stand in for lots of things like i i kind of read it as like two neuroatypical people figuring out how you know using you know two school proms to like tell each other that they like each other uh, but like, unfortunately the execution of it is just the, you know, no, mostly Hikigaya, like having the same conversation over and over and over with, you know, and coming to the conclusion that he was always going to come to. Yeah. And like, that he came that he came to on his own before the season barely even started. It yeah. Like. And like, like, and like, you know, sort of the whole deal with Snafu is that Hickey guy is, likes to basically, you know, he's got kind of the Subaru complex where like, you know, he's like, I'll solve everybody's problems by making things really bad for myself. And then everybody will unite against me. And then everyone will be, you know, everyone else will be happy. Whereas this won't work because, you know, he's, trying to make somebody that he genuinely cares for happy and she's also trying to make him happy because she doesn't want to be somebody just like you know you know she you know she doesn't want to like you know make him spend his whole life taking care of her whereas he wants nothing more than to you know be there for her and you know it's it's basically you know it, 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 and then of course like Yui Gahama on the side you know the eternal you know uh, third wheel. Yeah, the third wheel of the love triangle who never had a chance, but it's just like, you know, unlike in a, in a lot of like romantic comedies, like she doesn't just kind of like disappear, you know, the second that that relationship is deemed, you know, totally unviable. And, you know, there's like, a bunch of like sort of fake drama. It's like, oh, maybe she's just going to like cut off all contact with everybody she knows because she can't date this dude. And 
Yeah, like like and <laughs> the, and the whole season is basically like it's 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 adapted from two books that are almost entirely about these three people, whereas the the previous seasons use a lot more material covering a lot more characters and like that dynamic allowed things to be a little bit more varied a little bit more nimble whereas in this one it's just you know these three people who refuse to who you know who physically are incapable of being honest with each other like torturously circling each other for 13 episodes until they finally you know and you know do get to like a pretty nice sweet resolution of like you know hickey guy is like i want to distort your life forever and she's yeah. like please do that's that the only worthwhile <laughs> conversation that happens in the fucking in the fucking season yeah is his like extremely nerdy way of asking her out he's like i can't change your life but my presence will distort it a little bit and so i'm asking for your permission and forgiveness to yeah to distort your life a little it's that's good sort of sweet it is uh, it, like, yes. it's, it's a genuinely good part it's really great it's just the it's other really 11 good. episodes aren't very good yeah <laughs> other 11 and a half episodes basically it's only really yeah it's so i i didn't really like the first two snaf snafu seasons i thought that it, the, the premise of three people who are really bad at communicating um having these really subtle conversations where a lot of people come away with different ideas because of how subtle and how non-explicit they are was interesting and then for this final thing um having Yukino really, really, really uh, want to put on this prom by herself or using her own resources and not having Hiki martyr himself or stage manage what she's actually doing because her mom is the adversary in charge of the PTA trying to make the, the prom not happen because of complaints from unnamed parties uh, that uh, she never names because it's her. She, she doesn't want there to be a prom. Um, but also is trying to test her daughter. It's weird. Mm -hmm. uh, but like him, him realizing that he can't make everyone hate him. He has to actually go around and build consensus with people is a really good idea. Um, not only for the first, because it requires him not to be martyred, it requires him to, to just talk to everybody and get everyone on the same page um, without making him a lightning rod for either their positive or negative feelings. Um it's good for that reason. And also uh, because there is no consensus building when it comes to choosing one person over another to date or to be your friend. And so the idea that he's learning how to be a better friend and a better person while also not being able to apply these strategies of obfuscation or, uh, or string people on to you, he's got to, he's got to be firm and clear with you that he's not going to date her. Cause like you said, she was never in the cards um, even though we don't really know why Hiki and Yukino are attracted to each other, besides they're both kind of bummers to be around, <laughs> um, and Yui is way too happy, so obviously she's going to lose out there. I mean, do you need a reason? I, but I, I, I genuinely think that I want them to have some chemistry. I think um, okay, kind, I'm going to disagree with you that I think they do have great chemistry, and I think the Spar moment sparring that... is not verbal sparring is not chemistry. Sorry, sorry, Jeff. No, I, I mean for them it is like like okay, like the, the, like those are like generally delightful scenes, and it's a shame that like there's like maybe five minutes of that in the entire season of them, you know, getting into their like getting into their rhythm, and. Yeah. You know, and anyway, and the whole thing was like, oh, well, like we have to like not, you know, we have to not be apart, which just means functionally in the show, like you know, the stuff that's enjoyable is just not going to happen. It's <laughs> yeah, unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. And, and so they have two nearly identical plans 
Um, but one ha but his plan is intentionally worse than her plan so that his can't plan can get rejected and they can't reject both plans because that would be unreasonable. It's, it's very, it's, it's fine. Like you said, the bones of it are fine. But the problem is that what they think consensus building is, is just him going around and having the same conversation about how he and Yuki you, you, you know, aren't working together, but they're both trying to get the prom done and can they, they do this for him. And he has the same conversation with the same characters, sometimes multiple times mm -hmm. spread across different episodes. They just have the same thing about how like he and Yuki you know, aren't working together, but they want the same thing. Isn't this hard? Can't he just talk to her? No, he can't talk to her because uh, that's codependent until at the very end when the teacher that, I mean, I made the joke, which I'm so very proud of, of like her, like taking Hiki out to like tell, to like kind of counsel him on what's just happened. Does seem like she's coming on to him because like, come watch me hit home runs and then pound a bunch of beers. And I'm going to tell you that you're full of love and codependence is not real. Um, <laughs> I would consider that a come on if someone, if someone, so it's like, hey, let's go out. I'm going to get trashed in front of you and hit a lot of home runs. Yeah, but also I imagine uh, in the he's batting like cage. 16, she's uh, what, mid-20s. They, they have a weird thing that I don't know if Jeff can elucidate where it, she is like, if I was younger, I would have fallen for you. Or yeah. like, you're exactly the kind of person I would have let run my life. Um, like, it's like she is, I think you said actually, Jeff, in one of our conversations, like she is like Yukino if he, she, he if she never met Hiki. Yeah, yeah, um, I'm pretty sure like she explicitly says in the second season at some point that like you know I am basically you if you don't get over this right now because you know this point in your life is like very formative and if you don't sort of break out of this shell you're going to be locked in it forever and from my perspective that would be a very bad thing because like you know her whole reason for getting him you know involved with you know the service club is that he basically writes this essay in the very first episode saying you know youth is alive friendship is bullshit you know yeah everybody's in there's, no, there's no happy there's no happiness in childhood it's it's a yeah. lie that adults tell themselves to make themselves feel better and and then you know that's sort of like is brought right at the very end of the season where he's just like oh i can't i'm so embarrassed to have like ever written that and you and you get you know just in case you know because you know like you were saying the show is very subtle and very slow burning that you know just having that moment of him explicitly rejecting his earlier words is like okay you know Something did happen. Like he isn't just the same guy anymore. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's very weird. Like the payoffs are very strange because, like, I think that the the three like slow burn emotional things um, have to deal with the 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 love triangle that's existed largely implicitly up until the third season, although nonetheless obviously mm -hmm. um, that like are Hiki and Yukino ever going to make a connection? How is how is Hiki going to let Yui down? That like that they're not a thing and how can they prove to Yukino's family that she is just not codependent and going along with like the stronger personalities surrounding her, which her family believes because they've been the strong personalities and Hiki and Yukino hook up fine, I guess. Um, I was happy to see them together because as you said, they don't hang out at all this whole season. Um, instead we like go through the entire back catalog of like B tier characters for, yeah. for Hiki to have a conversation with his like weird, his weird otaku friend, um, who wears a trench coat and, and fingerless gloves. All the side characters they have to get uh, in before and, the end show ends in case there's some fan favorites in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, appar apparently there are, apparently there are, there are sequel novels after this, even though this is broadly i mean it calls itself uh yeah, climax yeah. so well, generally uh, that it ended but, um, quite positive reviews from people yeah but then they kept making games because yeah. 
Can you blame him? <laughs> my, my money. But uh, <laughs> I mean a little. But uh, but then they have a second prom. But it's, it's whatever. That's fine. Um, and then the middle tier one for me is resolving Yui because they because it, with the shows like trend of just having the same conversation over and over and watching people's extremely subtly evolving reactions to it to the same the same information as they grow or as they have a new standpoint i that's kind of fine it seems kind of like trauma porn to just have like hiki have the same conversation with, with yui about how he's not gonna and about how like he values her friendship but they're not they're not ever going to be a thing and then she like congratulates herself for not crying and then goes home and cries mm-hmm. like that was fine it was very weird to like abandon the show's large uh largely snafu is focused on hiki's perspective we only see things that he sees or could know about and so having it break that that general trend just so we can go see yui be alone and cry and like be torn up kind of i don't i mean i don't see the point for that except like the height and the emotion mm-hmm. of the difficulty of the decision that uh hiki is making by choosing yukino and that yui is making by deciding to remain with her friends um, despite Hiki not picking her, uh, which they really think in the last two episodes is going to be like, they really want you to think that she's just going to like stop talking to all her friends in her life because she's so broken up about not getting chosen by this dude. And then she comes in at the end. Everyone's like, yay. Yeah. Like at, at, at the end of the second season and the beginning of the third season, I thought there was like a very real possibility that she either wanted to like date both of them or maybe wanted to date Yukino or like she wanted them to be some kind of thruple because like they explicitly go on a three-way. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Japan knows that thruples exist. But because like, um, they, they explicitly go on a three-person date at the end of the second yeah. season. And then she's like, okay, and now <laughs> we're going to like resolve this. And yeah. Like I thought, very like I thought it was a very real possibility that Yui wanted to date Yukino, and she kind of seems well, like. You, well, Yukino literally said, like, suggests, like, her proposal is like, we just all pretend forever that we don't have any feelings for each other, um, <laughs> which is which is like an anti-thruple. Uh, so I do think that that's a fair reading of it at, at the end of the day. But then, like, the last thing, the last like aspect of the love triangle is the codependency thing, and that thing is a complete like complete like wet cracker like it, do, it does not go anywhere mm-hmm. um it literally has and it, it literally has like the big challenge is that is that yukino's older sister who has rejected the role in the family and in society that yukino is now stepping into saying like you think you're strong but you're not strong you just have a codependent friendship with these two friends and you will never grow you'll be stuck in this rest of development if you don't if you don't prove that you are a person beyond who you are in these friendships and all throughout the season, the third season, the number one thing they talk about is how codependent um, Hiki, Yui and Yukino are. And then the conversation with the horny teacher at the end is her just literally saying, that's not what codependency means. Y'all are codependent. Don't worry about it. After the the older sister has seen them put on the prom and she's like, you haven't convinced me. I think you're still codependent. And she leaves. And then two scenes later, um, the teacher is like, no, you're not codependent. The end. Don't worry about it. Just, yeah. just date, just be fine. It's what it's whatever. Yeah. It's really, there's so much talking in this show and so little is accomplished. And so much of it is red herrings or just like wasted space. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I was, I could not believe it. How slow the show was and how yeah. boring it was and how, how many times Kiki had to meet with someone to explain to them that he wasn't helping you can know with the prom. 
he had that conversation at least nine times yeah it in was the course of a 12 episode show it was like, ridiculous i wish this had been like you know three ovas or a movie or something <laughs> like because like you're saying like it just it felt padded out and stretched out and like you know the, like the emotional core in there was good and then it had like a couple really great moments but it like it's really hard to recommend somebody suffer through this entire season just for those little bits like i couldn't yeah. even really be asked to make a skip list because like it's just like kind of the same thing over and over and over again yeah yeah, yeah a couple things are different in the same conversations it literally felt like endless eight at times except not yeah. <laughs> not not intentionally doing endless eight there's more there's more character development in endless eight than there is in, in the third season of of snafu there we go hot take hottest take <laughs> Can I can I ask you to something then? Um, is the way you sound sound like you're talking about it seems like it's almost like a very distilled version of the the formula we're so used to in romance animes. Like, is it quite self aware or or is that... I think on some level it is. Like, it definitely seems to want to like skewer or flip over or invert a lot of like because i mean the whole thing is like the the name of the show is my yeah, teenage yeah. like romance you know, romantic comedy was you know bullshit as i thought and, and, and in case you forgot about it it's the last line of the show yeah i literally booed the screen when that happened like i, I, I saw it coming for like five minutes he's, and i was like he's like, he's do like after all don't do it you son all, of a bitch yeah after all my romantic comedy is all messed up as expected and it's just like i'm fuck. in i'm in um, i'm all into this out of it. best, best out of a love it when stuff does that that is top tier trolling i mean it yeah. does it, oh. And like, yeah, it, it like knew, it knew it too, because it, it, that was also the title of the last episode. So the title screen came out, and then over the title screen, he says it. Yeah. In, ca- in case you'd suffered a severely traumatic stroke over the last episode <laughs> and had forgotten what you were watching, yeah. they really wanted to make sure you knew before yeah. your before your life faded from this world forever. Yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah, the show is explicitly, or like in the books, or they're all explicitly like sort of like you know clowning on the usual romance tropes while actually still being it. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's just, it making, isn't... making fun of the existence of love triangles while being a show that is at its root entirely about I mean, love triangles. Okay. And also trying to like treat those characters with a lot more attention and dealing with like the gravity of these feelings above and beyond it just being a joke to to forward the plot. Like it's 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 yeah. really trying to have its cake and eat it too and also sell you a different cake. <laughs> yeah, and and I think that the first two seasons like you can have problems with the tone and pacing it is an extremely subtle show where there were especially like throughout the second season i would like watch an episode and be like i don't really understand what the upshot of their conversation was at the <laughs> end and i'd either rewatch it or I'd just i'd usually just forget and go to the next episode and, and there i'd probably figure out just from how people are acting like fucking context clues but yeah it is it is like neat how subtle it is and it just completely like just takes a, a dive into i think it thinks it's actually very clever that it uh did it take that? It, did I mess up a segue, Duncan? No, it's just just, just, nice just laughing at the where you're sort of talking about how subtle it is, and then after talking about how it just basically clubs you to death with its title at the end. Yeah, well, it, well, it thinks it's very clever that like that like Yui struggles with whether she's going to remain friends with the guy who rejected her. And I think in a different anime and on paper, that is an interesting question. It was never there was never even a a modicum of iota 
of a shred of doubt in my mind that she was going to remain friends with them. Yeah. Like it would have, it would have been a fucking brutal ending. If it's literally every character in the show gathered in that room being like, wow, since the beginning of our, our senior year, new adventures. And then she doesn't show up, but no, of course she shows up and she's like, Hey guys, you can't get Yo. rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, speaking of better romance shows, apparently, Oh, not sure, Duncan. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if Fruit Baskets <laughs> is good, but... It, you loved it! You've talked about how you loved it all season. <laughs> like, uh, it's comforting, and I don't know if that's good, which is probably something it has views on it itself, that it's just an incredibly easy show to watch, that it it ticks all the boxes for what you want for a good romance co- comedy in particular the comedy part it's it's very it's a very easily watchable comedy and like in these trying times like that is a, a panacea of, uh, which i am very glad is regularly available it's just being able to sit down for 25 30 minutes and just in- enjoy some light comedy and relationship drama is yeah it's just it's just nice take that we hate that word, but nevertheless, it is <laughs> nice. Um, but it ended with a intro. Like it's, I asked one of the reasons I asked about Snafu is that Fruit Baskets, I think, is kind of like the first generation of of works which come after the the original ones, where it is a lot of its subject is kind of the 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 me- meta is a metaphor for the entanglements and obligations of family and uh, romantic relationships. And like, it's this whole season has been its cast sort of slowly become, finding some independence and, and self worth outside the uh, constraints that have been put upon them by their uh, extended family and before if finally in the last couple of episodes having moments where those that generally happy bent of the series is just slapped down le- literally and metaphorically um there's a lot of slapping going on at, at times in the, sh- the show <laughs> which is probably a throwback to when it was originally made made because i don't feel like you see that as often these days but no there's a lot there's lots of slapping man when you talk about boys over flowers after the break there's there's so much slapping in the end of boys over flowers but yeah i don't think like it's, it's i don't think like that's one of the things I, I like about this is like i kind of get to have my cake and eat it that it's a very old story but they've put a nice modern sheen on it it's really well animated and like they've filed off some of the rough edges of its abusive relationships although they are still there because as i as i say like the the key its key metaphor is like the way that uh, a patriarch of a family in japan in japan in particular can exert this like coercive pull over his his family and uh act abusively towards them and the the interesting thing about the final episode of fruits baskets second season is that the one thing if you've been if you're at all aware of the way character design is in animes and if you watched at all for any of the clues you'll have realized long 
it ago in this series that the patriarch of the the family in uh fruits basket it is actually a matriarch but that's never been they've never formally said that in, until all this final episode and they they build it up like this this one character who is close to her who um we've we've we it it sort of presents him as as about to sort of spill her 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 secret to our extremely clueless protagonist um because <laughs> like my god even by any sort of standards Toru is is the is an incredibly dense protagonist and now they they play it up to her she is she is a a plain not particularly smart girl and yet she has lots of other qualities but they do like making jokes about how dense she is and how she misses every subtext um but anyway we 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 are here at the end and it's and the show's acting like the big reveal is okay the the akito the the presence who's been looming over this 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 family isn't a boy she, it's a she's a girl and like that's 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 why it's the show's acting like the big reveal is, but it turns out like that's not the its big reveal. What its actual big reveal is is that one of this family who we've seen has been who all this all this family are cursed to essentially be like connected to each other and to transform into members of of the, the zodiac because that's the way weird curses work. Um, and so we've been we've been shown like they're all basically just dependent on her and and this curse makes them all like almost follow her will and mm. there's been one of them Kerno who seems particularly beholden to this this bond to her who is the closest of all of them to her and the one who be who acts most in according to her wishes and the big reveal of the final episode is he's actually not cursed. Like, his bonds to her, her are actually all emotional, not supernatural. And so it's mm. taking this thing which had been a metaphor and just putting it out in front of us. And that was actually kind of, like, unexpected and, like, just really well set up. Like, it wasn't... I was. It, as an audience, you're thinking, "Ah, oh, I'm smart. I I know Akito's a, a girl, not a boy. You can't fool me." Oh, wait a sec, I didn't see that coming. But, oh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it was it was really like felt felt surprising and felt interesting as well. And so the obviously thing it's setting up for in its final season is can do the rest of them. How do they? all break out of that that curse and find their independence and, and happiness in it and what happens to this figure who kurno himself says is the most pitiful me member of that family who to everyone else sees he's them as this incredibly domineering presence but to him they're this pitiful and broken person who he feels an obligation to stay with and like that that split and what that says about abuse and how people can rationalize it like whether it'll have anything to say about that i don't know at this point but i'll be interested to see if it's got the guts to find out yeah one one can hope at least because it does seem like 
I know that we had a, a little bit of a, of a dust up when I brought up the old series and, and Andy was skeptical that it didn't, that it didn't hold up as well as I thought, as I said, it did that no vice versa. I said it didn't hold up while Andy was skeptical um, given how fond it is, but it does seem like this one is a very good modernization and adaptation. And the fact that they're giving it probably 75 episodes is yeah. hopefully yeah. saying something. Cause that's, that's the big problem when we, um, after the break, when we talk about what we've been watching besides mm-hmm. the current mm-hmm. airing stuff, and I do talk about Boys Over Flowers, like, it's really incredible how that show was too big for 51 episodes, but 51 episodes is what they got. So, so they just cut everything <laughs> that wasn't the mainline yeah, romance. That's a, that's a very anime. Yeah, that's a very anime yeah. problem, Ben. <laughs> it, like, you're, you've got 51 episodes, that's yep. what you're getting. <laughs> You'd, you better make sure. Just, just reduce the, pa- the 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 protagonist's family to just like characters who just like walk on <laughs> and tell a joke and leave. And then they move away. And then they move away like two thirds to the show. Like they move to like a fishing village because her dad gets laid off again. And so she just lives alone. They just like decide like, we're just going to cut that part of the show. Although that's in the manga. Anyway, we'll talk about that afterwards. But so, it is nice that like, yes. I wish that there were a lot more. I wish that... No, that's a that's a fucking monkey's paw. If I've ever, if I've ever heard one, I was gonna say I wish, I, I wish that there were more like remakes of classic anime, but I don't. I'm glad well, that unlike unlike all the anime that is currently being remade, like Higurashi and yeah, that's true. There is the Higurashi. Yeah. I mean, the Higurashi thing's exciting because like I can finally recommend horror fans of that show and not be like sorry. <laughs> I've, I've always I've always right thought now. the art, so, art had a uniqueness yeah. to it that made it stand out from any other anime. That is, you, you have said that's nothing technically incorrect in that statement, Andy. Uh, that's that's all I will say. It is, it is unique. I, I it does stand out. Didn't hate the art so, when I watched the first couple of episodes of it. I mean, I imagine I'll I'll get used to it. I I have it arriving right, okay. on Blu-ray. I think on Monday. My my right stuff. My right stuff order just shipped. So I'm gonna do a Twelve Kingdoms rewatch oh, wow. and. I got Honey and Clover on Blu-ray to yep. make me a fully hypocrite just, It's person, just like when you watch a key anime, you think whatever. it's fucked up and weird, and then you get in two episodes in, you know, it, you just perfectly you just rationalize it and normalize it, and it's, like you said, love it. Yeah, you're, you're used to their, like, used to their, like, weird... It's all the characters in Higurashi, even more so than their weird childish proportions, is that they look like they're wearing mm. really bad wigs, um, which is made more uncanny by their, like, neon green or like navy blue hair they, they all like their face and then just sitting on top of their head is just I mean, like it's another as, head with it's a not as bad as did you watch it's kind of... it's shiki is it oh there's another weird like vampire one in the oh no Spe- <laughs> yeah speaking of horror anime with like literally abominable like we shouldn't talk about too much jeff will probably watch it if we're not careful <laughs> but uh <laughs> It has it has real it has really incredibly ugly character designs and also like so the dumb. horror story is is like kind of creepy <laughs> kind of creepy but largely dumb like you have to tune out the dumbness yeah, to get creeped I, out. I by think it. I watched at least half of Shiki before I gave. I was just like, oh, it's too dumb and the hair is too wild. There's one character who came out and it felt like he got out the taxi and then their hair took a few seconds to come and or and follow oh, him wow. like <laughs> the gale that like that it is was impressive insane. Hair. Spoilers, spoilers for Shiki, but at one point, the girl who thinks she's too good for the small town um, is murdered by being run <laughs> over by people driving tractors repeatedly. And what and and what I think is the most heavy-handed piece of symbolism I'm making scare quotes ever to appear. It, it was also one of those things in which, like, you so didn't give a fuck about her that you you 
Yeah. Well, you no, know, because she's she's awful to everybody because she thinks she's too good for this town. So she's just like a bitch to everybody. Thought, all the time. She thought there was something strange. No, she was she was the only one who who knew who kind of like had a theory about what was going on. Yeah, but the whole like torture porn scene of her like being chased doesn't she literally get like her legs broken and run over by a combine harvester or something like that? Uh, no, it's, right. just, it's just it's just a regular tractor drawing pulling like a trail but it's still like yeah she gets run over by a tractor um which represents i don't <laughs> but, know rural life i don't I can't, I, can't, I, can't, I, can't I, I didn't feel like is this the first time we've talked about shinky this long on our podcast <laughs> i i just i just remember thinking like this is meant to be shocking and disgusting and like the real sort of like mind fuck part of the show but i was just loving it i was like finally she's gone <laughs> i'm surprised you stopped watching it i mean granted the character designs are incredibly ugly and then when they turn into vampires <laughs> it's often hard to tell because they already look like genkutsuo um from from the count of monte cristo oh, sci-fi that anime, hair so. anyway we'll talk about her more after the break yeah. okay <laughs> <laughs> i guess i guess um uh, no but uh, yeah, well, uh, I'm glad you liked it, Duncan. Um, if it sticks the landing in the third season, you'll be my crash test dummy. I might, I might, I would be open to li- to liking a version of Fruits Basket. And I, I'm glad that you did not. It was not what I feared, where you were watching an expensive remake of a mediocre anime, which is what I was afraid of when I heard you. I, I mean, the 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 thing is, with all and me, it might just throw me through the windshield. So <laughs> there might there might be there <laughs> might be find someone out. getting run over by a truck. Actually, other shows that have been remade: uh, there's Shaman yeah. King and Muyo Tenshi. Uh, they've also been remade. Oh, uh, yeah. Shonen and remakes don't the, count. And the uh, Inuyasha. What, what's about the, the sequel? Yes. People are very excited about that, and I don't know how to feel because I don't really know about Inuyasha besides that, like, it, it was like the thing to cosplay if you wanted to get glomped it was, in like 2001. Uh, that's the first time I've heard anyone say glomped in, since 2001. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, at, look in the uh, show notes for explanation of what glomping is. <laughs> And 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 yaoi paddles. And Another yaoi link paddles. for yaoi paddles in this. <laughs> yeah, I. People don't know. Good. It's dead. It's, I mean, anime cons, at the very Good. least, are going to be dead for like half a Good. decade if they ever come back. Yeah. Hey, anime conventions I, are fun. That, that is... yeah, especially if you're a teenager in the 2001. <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right. Let's quickly take a break. We'll come back with boys over flowers and just boys over flowers. And we're back. For the second half, I guess we're just talking about me and Boys Over Flowers. We could have so, so. Uh, we could have gone straight through, but we didn't. Um, so I had a really good run of just watching like a, a show every week. And then I took two months to watch Boys Over Flowers. Not just, <laughs> not just because it's 51 episodes plus a movie that takes place in like an alternate reality where they're all dancers in a dance troupe uh, in New York <laughs> in like the 80s. That sounds um, beautiful. I'm going to watch it. <sighs> Tune in, maybe. Probably not. I look um, forward to the second update. <laughs> so when we left off, uh, she was caught between these two guys, which were like the cool guy who's in love with um, a girl who cut off all her hair and went to France to become a lawyer for poor people. And this like <laughs> mean, this mean, rude guy who's repeatedly... 
assaulted her both physically and sexually, but it's just because he's so passionate in that very 90s way, um, Beauty and the Beast, Beast style. Um, but uh, so he was going to get them expelled um, by playing a basketball game with him because he's so rich and powerful. He can just like get someone expelled on a word, but they managed to challenge him to a basketball game. Um, I'm going to quickly go through the events as fast as possible so you can just show what a pile of bullshit <laughs> this show is. Um, he got too jealous of the cool guy and the girl when they were playing basketball, so he quit, so they won. Um, and then Rui decided he's still not over Shizuka and broke things off with, with Tsukushi, weed girl, crabgrass Tsukushi. Um, Tsukasa went to America to pout, but then got diverted when he found out that Rui and Tsukushi worked together and ended up at his family's house in Vancouver. Uh, he paid Tsukushi a million yen to come over and take him back home to Japan. Uh, but while she was there, her bullies came along and lied to her about one of her friends being out in the snow in a blizzard in the middle of the night. So she ran out into a blizzard in the middle of the night and nearly died. But then Tsukasa Wait, found her. In America before they, she went, did she miss the train plane then? No, uh, he he was rich enough to get the plane diverted to Vancouver since it's closer to Japan than like Boston or New York, where she was, where he was originally headed. Don't but think too hard. Don't don't okay. think too hard, Andy. I, they are they are so rich that like they don't have to obey the law. There's a side plot that I'm not going to cover where this guy comes in and pretends wrong. to be Sakushi's friend, but he is there to like beat up Sukasa for having nearly killed his brother and then just not had to go to court for it because he's so rich the police wouldn't even investigate it. <laughs> so anyway, Sukasa saves from the blizzard. They get warm together in a cabin. Um, it's cut short, though, when um, Sukasa's mom comes home because she lives abroad all the time, and Sukushi embarrasses herself by like bumping into a table and not being able to play piano spontaneously in front of hundreds of rich people. Um, <laughs> so she decides to break them up, first by offering... Uh, Sukushi's parents um, 500,000 yen to, for her to not date him, which they turn down expressly because they'll get all the money if she marries Sukasa. So um, you think for a second that they're supporting her, but no. Uh, oh, and, then, and then she doesn't, the mom does an end run by introducing Sukasa to his uh, arranged marriage fiance, Shigeru who is awesome. She is honest and brave and um, immediately befriends Sukushi, who is now like, I'm not even going to be messing with Sukasa anymore. He's, he's too unstable. Um, and Shigeru is like, hey, you seem really good friends with the guy that I'm going to marry someday. So let's be best friends and you can tell me how to romance him. And this causes lots of angst um, that comes to a head when they all go to a, hot, a private hot springs owned by Shigeru's family and she... And Sukushi walks in on Shigeru half undressed on top of Sukasa fully dressed. Uh, Sukushi, because she's kind of dumb, thinks that she caught them having sex. In fact, what she did was she caught Shigeru pinning Sukasa down and throwing herself at him um, because he's breaking up with her because he's still in love with Sukushi. Um, they don't fucking talk about it for <laughs> for a long time. Uh, and Sukushi decides to study abroad because of this. And she passes the test after a lot of work. And then Sukasa discovers that actually she didn't pass the test, but her mom, but uh, his mom paid the school for her to pass the test so that she could go abroad and Sukasa could get over her. And when they find that out, uh, Sukasa gets locked in his room by his mom. And so all the characters of the show come to 
the rich Domyoji residents, um, and she uh, Sukushi tells the mom that she's like an empty person. She's like, without without your family's name, you would be nobody but a mean old witch. Um, and then they slap each other, uh, and then she's like, you des- you deserve your you may be right that I might not be a good match for your son, but he deserves to figure that out himself. You shouldn't be able to tell him that. And they slap each other, and then Sukasa like busts out of his room and then busts back into the house through the big bay window. I posted a gif of this on oh, Facebook. It made me laugh my and then he like stands there while like glass is just falling down around him from him walking through a window like the Terminator. Um, <laughs> and uh, and he's like, we're gonna be together, mom. And then Sakushi's like, oh, sh- oh shit. This is way too much drama for me, so I'm done. And then we get like a three-month time skip where he and Shigeru have withdrawn from school and they're going to get married and then they're going to take a big trip around the world on a massive cruise ship that they was just them on there, just them and their workers um, because they're really rich. The show is really impressed by how rich they are. Um, and then it ends up, uh, Sukushi gets really, she gets this, this letter, this douchey letter from Sukasa saying like, Saying like I'm gonna I'm gonna ditch Shiguru on a tropical island and I'm gonna get the wedding annulled and I'm gonna go disappear in a foreign country and you can't stop me and so she like jumps what? aboard the massive cruise ship and then ends up it was forged and it was a plot by Shiguru to to trick Sakushi into getting trapped on a on a around the world cruise with Sukasa so they can work their feelings out and that's where the show ends fuck you um, <laughs> so oh, that's- and, and and the mom and the mom is like the this the the daughter who's been in support of the relationship is is like what are you gonna do mom and she's like give me the phone put the, put the captain on the phone They're like oh shit she's actually gonna call the captain and she's like take care of my son and his and that girl and that's like the end it's like oh the mom approves of the relationship now it is it is wild how much happens in the show and how and how it is literally it's like it's like the evil twin of Snafu, where like nothing happens, but in this case, like, it, but instead of it just being boring conversations, it's just constant reversals of romance fortune. It's very weird that Shigeru is just like, what's going on with you assholes? Why just, if you like him, why aren't you with him? And she's like, well, he doesn't return my feelings. She's like, yes, he does. And she's like, no, it just, it wouldn't work. And then, so yeah, she had to get tricked into like being with her, like had, had to have a fake marriage be put on um, by her friend to to trick them into being together. Does she Ugh. actually like him? Um, does it matter, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> Fair point. Fair it's a romance point. anime. Does it matter if they should actually be together? <laughs> no, the answer is no. They're together because like fucking fate, Unme. Yeah. Um, whatever. They saw each other in the first ten minutes of the first episode, it. therefore. <laughs> it's it's an interesting example. Like, first guy was Rui. She's super in love with Rui, but like Rui, the cool guy, like his like poor lawyer Paris like crush, who's a few years older than them, like shows up literally two episodes from the end and is like, Hey, come back to Paris with me. I love you now. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, Cool, I guess I'm going to Paris. And that's just it. He's gone from the show. I can tell when I was reading the like the the like manga synopsis, they cut out anything that is not to do with Sakushi and her romance, and that's part of why this show feels so claustrophobic and like nothing happens because we never learn about the characters except in the context of their relationships with each other, which are toxic. As hopefully you've gathered from that synopsis of events that were supposed to happen over the course of like a few months, so. Uh, 
Yeah, I, it's really interesting to watch this and like kind of as a history lesson, like an idiom style history lesson um, that like I can see and you can see uh, Fruits Basket starts being written in July 1998. The Boys Over Flower anime airs, finishes airing in August 1997. Mm. So the timeline lines up almost perfectly for the Fruits Basket person to be like uh, to watch to watch Boys Over Flowers or maybe like pick up the manga because the, the the anime is making it popular and then being like, okay, I like this thing about like this kind of hapless plucky girl who's like trapped in the middle of this like kind of abusive family situation. And then we have but an what if they were Zodiac animals. Yeah, and, al- and also if there's an actual hook besides just them being wildly rich. Yeah. Um, like there's a whole thing. They really want you to feel bad for Tsukasa uh, because of – uh, they really want you to feel bad that Sukasa like never sees his parents because they're so rich that they never they're never uh, they're never around. Like she comes in town once a year for his birthday and and then leaves and he's like they have a fight and he's like you never even you're not my mother and she's like of course I'm your mother I had you and and he's like I I haven't seen you in a year and the last party you just made it all about yourself too it's very dramatic but you can tell like toxic like someone saw this and was like oh toxic family situation maybe we'll make it less weird wealth porn which i guess i don't know this is the this is the the lost years the post bubble years so maybe maybe being like wildly rich is something that (laughs) was more inherently interesting in 1996 i think like the like you you mentioned uh fruits basket but obviously like the the true like absolute parody of it is Oran, which really yes. just does take the fabulous wealth elf stuff and and run with it whereas in and makes it and makes it much more of a joke which is yeah what which it should what be. boys over <laughs> flowers is not like completely doesn't care about it thinks it's actually cool how how rich these guys are and it's like a plus sign and we have her parents as the greek chorus being like who cares if he abuses you just marry him he's a he's a billionaire <laughs> Money and, then, and then they moved to a small fishing village because her dad got her dad got laid off again and he'd watched a lot of fishing fishing tv so he thought he could fish he can't fish is actually the reveal but it's it's interesting like that, that in your case that that she's got really bad parents whereas in fruits basket's case like toro's mother was is almost like oh she's like a reformed uh yeah uh female yakuza like uh-huh. and and saintly in her reformation like you know you know like how there's this this trope of once someone is a former uh, a bad bad person that and becomes good they, they become almost like irreproachable like ev- they sacrifice everything for their daughter and like <laughs> her mum's obviously and obviously like her mum's dead Ed, by the time the anime, he, he rolls in for un, unknown reasons and her dad's never is dead for other reasons as well and like so Toru's like literally living in a tent in the woods when the, the yes. uh, season starts so Toru's, Toru's like pants crappingly depressing <laughs> depressing life before she gets adopted by by the uh, the Zodiac family yeah. so th- is there like they're kind of they're not rich but they're they're sort they're sort of like the 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 they're sort of like landed gentry i guess is like they they have an estate they don't, they don't have like huge amounts of money but they're definitely respectable and like yes. and like have heritage and all that and like there's i think that's very much what they're 
they're, they're, they're kind of like old power, whereas Boys in, in Over Flowers sounds like it's very much about new power and like money. Well, I was I was really wondering if we'd ever get into like, is this like if the mother is so she's so desperate to preserve the Dumyoji name and she's like marrying a poor person would destroy our family's credibility forever is like literally her argument. And I wanted to be like, oh, so are you like nouveau riche and you've got to like spend a few generations interbreeding with like the established gentry to, to make your, but no, they, we never find out about anybody's backstory. We learned that like the fat, the, the fabulous four, the flowers four were all friends as kids. And that's why they're friends now. But like, that's as much as we get in terms of like who they were. We learn more about the guy who wants to, who wants to beat up Sukasa because Sukasa nearly killed his, his brother. We learn more about his like past and life more than the main characters. We have no idea how Sukushi, who is, Broadly made, like she had to work really hard to pass the uh, the uh, study abroad test, and apparently she ended up failing, um, partially because her friends come over to like deliberately make her fail because none of them support her going abroad in a really weird way. Um, they like bring over like like drinks and food and have a big party in her apartment the night before the test, specifically to make her fail so that she doesn't go wow. abroad. <laughs> friends, um, but but yeah, like we the test is really hard and she like has to work really hard to do well on it. But somehow she got, she managed to take the test to get into like the most exclusive rich person, private school in all of Japan. Like it's, I don't know. There's probably stuff that's cut because they had to, they only had 51 episodes and they have to fit every single twist and turn of her bullshit romance into it. So. (laughs) Does the manga finish off them sailing literally into the sunset as well or? Uh, it's not clear. I tried to find a synopsis, but this has a weird, it has like a weirdly, uh, weirdly anemic web presence outside. Cause it, I think largely cause it's been diffused among all the live action adaptations. Cause yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a Korean show for a long time. Um, it's clearly scrolling down boysoverflowers.fandom.com slash wiki slash boysoverflowers. Um, no, that's, this is, this is about, this is about halfway, this is about halfway through. Um, there, yeah, it's, no, never mind. No, they took they bolted on the the time skip. It looks like the time skip and them sailing off in the sunset is a bolted on ending. Okay. Ah, because which is which is good because the fake wedding makes no sense and is ridiculous. <laughs> um, putting on a fake wedding bullshit. to to fool to fool not only Tsukasa but his mother. So like literally half of the people involved in the wedding think it's a real wedding and didn't find out. I don't know. Can you? Do you think that y'all could, Andy? You you got married. Could you yeah. pull off a fake wedding without like mids mids and her family realizing? <laughs> like it, it seems very implausible. I mean, in England, no, but I guess in Japan you can. I mean, you don't have to do the term. Like the only thing that makes it official is the registry stuff, right? But yeah, that's all Japan cares about too. So that's true. Could, that is you true. You could easily put it off by just you know not not say not signing the registry. That's the only thing that makes it official. When yeah, we, that's true boring chat but when when we were getting married one of the things that could have happened is it was like you can't have an outside wedding because it's not a sanctioned venue it has to be approved to be sanctioned so we had an outside wedding we could do all the i do's and shit what have you's under the sun but then we'll still have to go indoors to actually sign the thing so yeah it's totally i guess possible if, if one part of the of the engagement or couple didn't give a fuck about the wedding and just wanted it done. <laughs> it was purposely invalidating it so you could trick 
you could trick your friend into into getting on a round the world cruise God, with your such, supposed fiance. That's such a fucking insane way of doing it. It was just it's, like... it's, it's absolutely insane. And she like she so who here has seen the Wallflower set slash like Yamato Nadeshiko Shichihenge? I've seen a few episodes. I didn't. So finish do, do it. you remember? Do you remember no. the landlady, how she like comes in on like a massive stretch limo or like on like a, she like comes on like the ladder of a helicopter coming in. Mm. That's literally how, she, how Shigeru leaves. And she's just like, see ya. And she's like, jumps off the boat <laughs> and like parachute, parachutes with her like huge skirt down in the, in the water where like one of the other characters has gotten a tugboat who picks her up and they're like, have fun. Shigeru planned this expressly. We fooled, we, we humiliate, fooled and humiliated one of the most powerful families in the world by putting their son through a fake wedding. This is not going to have any consequences for us. I don't know. It's so weird. And, but like, apparently she becomes Shigeru's maid at some point and then they start trying to double date. I don't know. It looks, it looks absolutely absurd. It looks like one of those sort of shows. I mean, I guess the manga goes on for cent- for years, right? Centuries. <laughs> Centuries, you said. Uh, it has th- it has thirty seven volumes. It ran from nineteen ninety two to two thousand and eight. Yeah, so. it just feels like whatever thing can we tack on the end just to keep keep I mean, me writing week from week, get me paid week to week. Yeah, Andy is sort technically the right though. Curse, I guess, which I, I guess we can talk about next week. <laughs> it it, it um, did run for two centuries. Yes, but... that's that is. Oh damn it, Duncan. I love you, Duncan. Thank you for proving me wrong. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's go ahead and wrap it up there since this has been a bit of a a long one. Uh, Remember, rate, review, subscribe to us on whatever podcast service you use. Find us on Twitter at KeyframesPod. Find Uh us on Facebook. Uh Search for KeyframesPodcast. Email us questions, KeyframesPodcast at gmail.com. Tell Ben what awful long-running shoujo romance he should watch next uh, and why it should be I can't even think of one off the top of my head. Make him rewatch Kari Khan. Sa- Sailor Moon. Sailor nah. Moon. I've already watched Sailor Moon. I liked it. Oh, fair enough. Inuyasha. <laughs> Is that a romance? Does Inuyasha yeah. count as romance? Yeah, of course. Romance. There must be some romance in there. I thought. That I was mean, but it's like a romance. romance. Is it mainly a romance? That's that was always my outsider uh, thing. Like it was like it's, a. It's Naruto. It's like the sh- the shoujo Naruto. That's what people tell me. Yeah. Um, but it must act- be actually, romance. Andy, Andy, I don't want to bust your chops, uh, but it was published in Weekly, Weekly Shonen Sunday, so it's actually a shonen. Uh, sorry. Oh my god! I am... You do that all to me all the time. Anyway, uh... anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, good old, Ru- good old Rumiko Takahashi. If she's if, if she wants to get published in shonen, she can get published in shonen. No one can tell her no. Yeah, but um, she was probably a, a deal just to get more people to buy shonen Sundays, and that would have been the women, you know. Yeah, so it would have yeah. been, it's, it's written for women, just happened to be in a shonen, you know, publication. Speaking, speaking of running for two centuries, 56 volumes of Inuyasha, even though it ran less, it ran fewer years. I guess Boys Over Flowers. Uh, it should go 100%. Oh, it's not a shoujo. <laughs> the Rose of Versailles? Seen that one? I would watch Rose of Versailles, although it's, I just watched a history lesson anime. I don't need another history lesson anime, <laughs> I think. Sorry, sorry, uh, Katie, who came on Utena for me just dismissing Rose of Versailles like that. It wasn't intentional. Uh, I'm not going to watch Rose of Versailles, though. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so yes, sorry, email, sorry. email us. Just email us like any sort of conversational stuff us. you want at keyframespodcast yeah. at gmail.com and uh, tell a friend. Yeah, tell a friend. Any friend. But not, I would say, Ben, don't <laughs> tell any friend. I would personally suggest telling the friend who would 
go to ridiculous lengths to set up a fake wedding so that, <laughs> so that the person you're actually in love with, who they're marrying, you can be together on, what, a year-long cruise? Just around the world cruise. I don't know if it's oh, a whole year. Oh, just around the world. Yeah, fine. Is, they, they, do say, they do say that it's literally all around the world. Statues crumble for me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh oh, right. and on a cruise as well fucking yeah. hell that must be torture yeah right. uh, <laughs> but they're in, love, they're in love Andy say they're goodbye in they're in love at the beginning of The Shining and they <laughs> look how that turned out that's it's kind Christ. of the same <laughs> say all Shining. work and no play makes Jack a dull boy everybody <laughs> bye. bye bye Jesus that came apart <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell